When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Is, is this supposed me? to be me? Um, oh, Jeff, fuck! <laughs> Can we start that over again? Sorry, I didn't realize it. I thought... Sorry. Really? Unless you want to keep this in, I don't think it didn't fuck with me. This show is brought... To- no, this is a professional. It's not like your podcast. This is professional. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> this show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a knife podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers, enthusiasts whatever we're with you my name is jeff fader from fader knives i'm here with the captain of the ship craig lockwood of chop knives and bladesmith mareko momasi momasi fire arts we're here to you know whatever do our thing so how are you guys very good very it's been a great week so i'm very happy i had a good week too hmm. I, I it felt like it felt like the tides were changing in the world something First, in the on, air. A, on a selfish level on a selfish level hmm yeah, if you, from sort of a COVID standpoint of view, it looks wow. as if the world's going back into lockdown. It's oh, crazy. But um, yeah, on a selfish level too, very, very good. Or, you know, busy week, so I can't complain. Well, what's been up? What's been doing? Ah, a lot. So um, getting ready for the launch of the Camp Knives, which will be, um, well, this week. By the time you hear this on Monday, it'll be this week. So Wednesday, Thursday, they'll be launching. Um, so lots and lots of heat treating. Lots and lots of grinding, um, lots and lots of Kydex too. Just yeah, just really busy, and I've I've managed to get loads of time in the workshop this week. So, you know, for those who don't normally listen, I'm you know I'm pretty much part time at the moment because we've got babies in the house and my wife works full time, and you know we I I work when I can, but this week has been pretty much full on full time. Um, so it's been really nice to really sink my teeth into stuff and get things going. Um, what else? I started it. <laughs> I hate the word vlog, but um, <laughs> I've got I've got so much going on at the moment. I thought I I want to sort of document this because I don't know. It feels like a time when there's a lot of change going on. Where we've bought a new house and I'll be building a cabin in the woods that we've got and launching these new camp knives. Lots going on. So I want to document this. So I I, I put up a video on YouTube. Um, 
they're not going to be like daily vlogs um but you know a couple of times a week i'll just put up a video sharing some stuff and something that i can look back to look back to you know sort of few years down the line and say oh right that's what I was up to then so I really enjoy it I really enjoy it it's another way to be creative and yeah it's quite fun I also made a massive a massive boo-boo a few weeks ago so a a restaurant I was working with um wanted a a table knife um, but they wanted like these extra sort of long handles on a table knife and I was sort of advising them saying well, it doesn't look too good and I, I'd done some drawings for them you know some CAD drawings and sent them over and all the rest of it and they were out of and they wanted these longer handles so I got them laser cut as I normally do with with table knives um they come and they're just a bit ridiculous they're not really yeah <laughs> it, it's it's unusable they're, they're too long um and they've agreed with me now so we've gone back to a, the design phase which <sighs> is which is good news but it did mean that I had two dozen of these table knives that were just sitting there and I'm thinking oh man so just yesterday morning actually I ground one out I sharpened it and I just stuck a paracord wrap on it and in the hand I was like man this feels amazing as like just like opening packages like a box cutter and you know I had some packages yesterday that had been sort of saved up and I was like right I didn't run to the toilet I know what you're all thinking you run to the toilet with my package in I didn't <laughs> the amount of messages I had yesterday <laughs> that'd be great in the toilet is that the same color as your bathroom Craig and all these things well like, you got to oh. back it up a little bit a number of episodes ago we have decided well Craig admitted uh, unfortunately that when he gets any packages he goes he takes he doesn't even open it in his house he goes straight to the bathroom with it which is like <laughs> I a get maniac. Excited. Get yeah, he gets super, yeah, he opens up the bathroom. The bathroom is where the, all the unwrapping is. Big garbage <laughs> well, had, can a, back there. I had a, a backlog of packages this week <laughs> that I hadn't opened. Anyway, so I made this knife yesterday morning. I was like, gee, this is perfect as a box cutter. It's got nice, the handle's nice and long. The blade is, it's pretty much like an Opinel number eight. It's that sort of shape, mm. super, super thin. So it's a real sort of slicer. And it, it's great for opening packages. So I made myself one. Um, put up put up a picture online on Instagram as you do if you didn't take a picture you didn't make it you know um, and a bunch of people I left my phone there come back an hour later a bunch of people said oh they're great could, you know could you make me one and I was like well I got two dozen here I could knock quite a few out here quite quickly so so I did I put them up and I sold like 15 or 16 of them yesterday just like off the bat there you go wow. so Perfect. I think the, going forward these may be something that I may I may offer or sort of permanently because they're you know they're they're, they're relatively inexpensive i can sell them inexpensively um and it just keeps the wheels ticking so yeah i was really pleased it was like a happy accident it was a mistake they, right. you know these should never have been cut out anyway in the first place they have been and and they work really well for a different purpose so i like those you know those, those accidents that happen and sometimes they just you know if you think creatively about it it could be something else and these are perfect perfect for opening packages so perfect. so that was my week um Aside from that, getting ready for these camp knives. So I said lots of heat treating, that kind of thing. But um, lots of admin stuff. So I'm going to uh, – the way I'm doing this is, as I've done with, with other sort of pre-sells, the sort of pre-order. So there's only going to be 50 available. So I set up a, a mailing list specifically for people interested in the in the camp knife. So I've got a bunch of different lists, mailing lists, you know, of segregated customers. So some are restaurants, some are chefs, some are home chefs. Um, and I've got this specific one now, people interested in the camp knife. So it's really good. I've, I've just looking. I've got 82 signed up specifically for the camp knife. Wow. And knowing I've only got 50 available, I'm hoping that everybody who wants one can get their hands on one. 
um, and and that they sell. So yeah, it's all exciting times. A, a lot happening, and yeah, it's all good. All good. Can I just go back real quick on the box cutter? There's two guys who make little tiny knives that are so cool. I had to have one of them, and I want to get another one. Worker Man made this pinch knife. Mm. I know the one. It's it's beautiful looking knife. Yeah. I got on the original order list, and then I ended up getting one a little behind, a little behind the scenes that I haven't opened yet. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for me to be a good boy to open it. And then the other one. You need one, a box cutter to open the box. <laughs> yeah. for your knife well, cutting. I ordered one from you too, so I will have you a did. box cutter. <laughs> I will have your box cutter to open the other one. And then the other one is um, Jeremy Spake. Jeremy Spake made these little knives. They were so cute and cool and interesting. You call them spuds. You go to Jay Spake on Instagram. <laughs> they're they're fucking great. They're these tiny little knives. I wish he made more because they were in the same vein of that pinch knife or that whole box cutter knife. I love the idea of these smaller knives that are very approachable in terms of cost, price, and cost and all that. I think they're fun. I did one for me just to kind of like knock something out. And I was, and I, I thought the same thing. I'm not going to, I'd love to do something, my version of something small and inexpensive that, you know, you could do that. I think they're, I think it, it, it really is an awesome idea, but I love your mm. camp knives. The camp knives are super sweet, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you haven't actually seen the, the final, well, you've seen the final design, the CAD drawings, but the, the actual physical knives. Well, you do like a burlesque video for your all your knives. It's, it's always like, <laughs> you know, you got pasties on and you're, you know, it's all music and lights and spinning and Shadowy. shit. Yeah. yeah. You're like the burlesque dancer of knife making. It's like, well, you don't get I, any, you're not giving anybody no any realness. It. Well, I mean, burlesque, you're, not giving yeah. a, you're not giving anybody what they want. He's like, that's right. That's right. Craig Lockwood, burlesque dancer. Well, I mean, I haven't sort of made a point of it, but generally the culinary knives, everything has always been white, all the pictures, the background pictures and so on. And I wanted a way to sort of differentiate. So the camp knives and, and strangely, these box, box openers as well, everything's going to have a black background. So when you're scrolling through the feed, you'll know white is culinary stuff, black mm. is subliminal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the same thing is happening with these camp knives. The video is going to be very sort of black and shadowy and, yeah, it's quite cool. I, I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's fun. So that's all happening this week. So by, I think, Wednesday, Thursday, they'll be launching with a with a burlesque video. Yes. Uh, big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Mareko, how's your week been? Uh, well... Jeff had some, uh, or I guess both of you guys have had some appliance fixing, and so I thought I'd join the party, and <laughs> my pl my dryer took a shit, and uh, so I had to get in there and um, kind of try to figure out everything, and uh, I got it fixed, but in um, kind of in, in the in, along the journey, there were a, you know a, a few hiccups for sure, um, you know, it, so basically it was running, but the heat wasn't going, and so. I'm not an electrician. I'm not that great with circuits and stuff and really reading and understanding them. But I, I had to do my best to try to figure it out on my own before ultimately trying to get a hold of somebody. Do you and do that I, trick that I do is when you do anything electrical, pretend you're busy and just say, to, I just say to my wife, oh, hey, could you just flick that switch a sec over there? <laughs> as if it's like completely nonchalantly, oh. you know, as if, oh, just flick that switch for me a sec. <laughs> Oh, you, you really do that? You make it every seem... Time. Oh, every right. time. You she knows what I'm doing now. She knows what I'm, she, she come in with rubber gloves oh. on or something and do it. Yeah, she puts the rubber gloves on and you tell her to flip a switch. Oh, that wasn't, didn't, didn't work. That's the light switch. Every <laughs> time. Yeah. It's a bullshit switch. 
<laughs> I've never heard of that. That's pretty funny, though. Um, but yeah, I it, we have a stacker set, and it's got two yeah. pair, two uh, outlets on it, and I completely spaced about the two twenty one. So I was doing a, a lot of the preliminary searching and messing around with wires while it was still hot. Um, and oh man, I was getting little, I was getting little zings, but it, I was Ooh. just like, oh, there's like some residual power in the circuit or something. No, it's just that I'm. That's not my job, and I'm stupid, and I was <laughs> playing with it while it was hot. Uh, but I did, fig- yeah, I did figure out it was a, uh, it was the there's like this weird relay switch. It's like a redundancy, like safety switch, that connects to the motor switch as well. And so I just for now I hardwired it so that we can still use the dryer uh, until I get a new switch in there. But I definitely did get zapped one time pretty good, and it didn't actually. Well, it's weird. It was it didn't hurt. It just surprised the shit out of me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think I got hit. For blood. Yeah. I mean, I've been hit by it a couple times, and um, it always more than anything, it just surprises me. But anyways, got that going. <laughs> uh, I've been making good progress on the stainless knife. Um, I I posted a couple trying to be sly and coy like Craig, and uh, I did see very dark, and shadowy video. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very very f- sexy very focused on just a very small portion of what you can actually see um yeah making good progress with that knife um i'm hoping to actually get it done either today or tomorrow uh, which would be sweet um my sister just came into town and visited i hardly ever get to see her i only get to see her about once a year um so she cruised through um and we had dinner with her that was really nice um a couple notes of uh, news, Axwax. So I mentioned, uh, I think it was either, no, it wasn't last week. It was a week before Axwax is, um, offering up, I think it's, uh, 15% of all their sales right now to help benefit kind of like the fire relief in Southern Oregon. Um, but he's also added to it, um, that he's going to throw in a vintage ax head and five, what is it? It's locust, wedge, honey locust wedges. Honey locust is a type of wood and uh and an extra tin uh tin of his axe wax so if you go and get some right now not only is it going to help benefit the fire uh, relief and recovery but it's also gonna you you, you're gonna basically automatically get entered into a drawing somebody's gonna be randomly selected um the last chance is the last day of this month because october 1st he's gonna do the drawing for the axe head and uh the locust wedges and extra tin so if you're interested in getting in in some of that, that is uh, it's all for a good cause, and you get a little mm. possibly get a little extra bonus out of it. And then one more piece is uh, when I did my interview with uh, Dan Keffler uh, a while back. Now, Jesus, I think it's probably been like I feel like it's been three or four months. I have no idea. I have yeah, no a few months. Of times. Yeah. Um, but he was talking about his friend Sam that he's been doing all this work with, doing these uh, uh, testing titanium alloy blades um and and stuff sam's shop sadly burned down um ah, it oh. sounds it wasn't be from uh the forge or anything it's some kind of something else like an electrical fire or something do you, you hard wires dryer yeah <laughs> no <laughs> probably not sorry he's, he's probably a bit smarter than i am <laughs> come on come on i apologize sam <laughs> so he has a uh some his a friend of his set up a gofundme 
um, for him. He's mad. If you go to GoFundMe, it's Mad Science Forge. If you'd like to try to help him out again, he's doing some really, really cool stuff with titanium alloys that, uh, basically nobody's really been doing to get some really high performance cutting tools out of them. Um, and if you are on Instagram, he's mad science forge on Instagram, all one word. uh, Yeah. So that's just terrible. Throw those in there. Yeah. Terrible. It's always, it's always the concern. I, I don't know how many times I've left the shop and I'm pretty sure I turned everything off, but I have to stop and t- go back because you never know. That's like the one time that you walk away and think it's good. And then, Oh, is this Mecca? Shit the guy, Mecca, mad science forge. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'm sorry to hear that. Mecca. Yeah. He, uh, he wants to come on the podcast sometime. Maybe we should have him on sometime. Yeah, I don't know anything about. Yeah, he uh, messaged us a few a while ago about like, yeah, you gonna have the titanium guy on. I don't know anything about titanium. I'm sorry know. to hear that. Really sorry. Yeah. How is the um, the air quality now, Morocco, near you? Are the fires still burning? What's what's the situation there now? There are still fires, but the air quality has uh, gotten uh, quite a bit better for sure. Uh, it's actually basically back to normal. We've had. Uh, a few uh, rain or storm systems come through and really kind of push out the nasty air um, and also helped with the fires, obviously, because of the rain. But there are still fires burning. Um, and so that's unfortunate. I can't complain about the air. I feel like an asshole basically complaining, oh, the air sucks and people's like livelihoods are burning away. Yeah. Um, but well, you feel how you feel. Yeah. So uh, but no, it's it, fortunately it's cleared up. Um, but I'm still filling for all those people who have mm. dealing some with hard sh- stuff right now, for sure. Mm. You know, whilst we're on a downer, um, yeah. I feel I need to say something as well. But so the reason I make knives um, is because um, of a particular person. So I, I, you know, I was doing a lot of web stuff before for years and years and years, and I literally just burned out. Um, and I've talked about this story before where I put on an event and I got a bunch of designers like myself in, into the woods and we had all these people showing us how to make stuff, like physical things. So we we had like a letterpress there and we were all making these amazing posters and stuff. Um, but 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 there was EJ Osborne was there who taught us all how to um, carve spoons. Um, and unfortunately, EJ passed away this week. Mm. Um, um, I knew he was ill. Um, he had cancer. Um, but, but, you know, I, I still see him every day because he's got a TV show and, and he's on he's on the TV. And in my mind, you know, he's, he was an L. He, you know, it's, it's just the guy on the telly still. But, yeah, but he did pass this week. So I just wanted to mention that. So anybody who knew EJ's work, um, it was incredible. And it just it not only inspired me to be making stuff, but I'm sure hundreds and hundreds of others. So, yeah, feel really, you know... Bad for the family. Um, EJ left a little daughter um, and his wife. So yeah, very very sad about that. But um, you you can go and look look at EJ's work at um, Hatchet and Bear on Instagram. Yeah, there we go. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the yeah. Everybody knows somebody who's you know passed from cancer, right. and um. It it scares the the life out of me. I mean, I read a stat the other day. It was like fifty percent of people will will have cancer at some point in their life. You know, and, and thankfully now, you know, the the treatments are far better than they ever were. But you know, fifty percent of people—that's just crazy. On a lighter note, I got fired by my skin cancer doctor, my skin doctor, my dermatologist. Got fired. I got he fired me. 
because <laughs> my dad died from cancer, from skin cancer, and my mother's side of the family have all had skin cancer. My uncle, a couple of my uncles on both sides have had cancer. My sister mm. had cancer, and I covered my arms with tattoos. And my skin, my dermatologist was giving my information. He was getting looking at my history, and he looks at my arms. He goes, "What am I supposed to do? What is this? What am I gonna do?" It's like, you know, what do I have, dig for? It's like it's like a dig for treasure. What am I going to do here? How, how can I tell you if your freckles have changed? And he's just like, I can't do anything with you. And he fired me. So I came home. This is a couple of years ago. I came home and my wife said to me, how did it go? I'm like, well, not very good. She says, why not? And I said, well, my skin doctor fired me. And he's, how did he fire you? I'm like, eh, he, he didn't like my chances. He didn't like my future chances. Wow. So, fired by your well, doctor. That's so he be fired me. Yeah, he, was, he looked at me. He's just like, I got to deal with this guy now. What else? <laughs> Pin the tail on the donkey? What the fuck? So, so, so your week, Jeff, what's uh, been going on? Oh, cra- crazy week. And I think I was, I might have been inspired by you and your vlog. I might, I don't def- call it a vlog. What are we going to call it? I don't know. I, don't, I hate the word vlog. It's, it's just, you imagine well, we like some to- 17-year-old kid like, hey, guys. <laughs> you know, and it's just, oh, man. Check out my vlog, man. <laughs> Subscribe yeah. to my YouTube channel. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. that too. So uh, I don't know. It was you and your vlog? <laughs> what keep saying. I, think. <laughs> I mean, you gotta come up with a better name then. And then um, I had to figure out a way. And then I think it was also uh, our friend Chris Zepp of Make Everything Shop and Owner Caglar. They they do a lot of like shop things, and and I and I needed to m- prepare myself to do all these serrations on all these knives. And I just had to, I did, I've been thinking about how I was going to do it in volume. And I had to change the way I kind of saw how I do the, you know, one of them, you know, you just go up and down on the, you know, half inch, you know, you mark out your lines and then you go up and down on the half inch contact wheel and it's easy, but Mm. you're doing 56 of them. It's just like, there's got to be a little bit, I got to take a little bit of of the, you you know, a little bit of the doubt away. So for me, I've always really been, I think it because when I started welding, I realized, and I was taught that the most important part about welding is pardon me, is the setup and being comfortable and, you know, knowing your travel and everything like that. So, you know, welding itself is this, it's such a small part of what you're doing, but it's setting yourself up and organizing yourself and being in a comfortable position. Actually, very much like drawing, you know, you don't just have your hand in the air and you're just drawing. A lot of times you're using your elbow as your kind of like your, your the way you draw is, you know, you have like a stable point. And also mm-hmm. like sign painters will have a stick that they'll put out of the way and then they can rest their their wrist on the stick. So they're kind of like in a comfortable position. So I've always TIG welding, welding have always been like being comfortable. So I built like this, uh, thank, you know, thankfully, uh, I, I got a, the Broadback Ironworks, a two by 72 grinder that goes from horizontal to vertical. So I could aim a half inch, uh, contact wheel up and down. I could turn it on its side up and down. And then I build it like a, basically like a hand rest, like a railing to get me to be able to uh, just be more comfortable and, you know, be able to do volume. And then I just kind of posted it to my stories and then I posted it to uh, the highlights and, and it went, oh boy, everyone he had out. It was really great. The re- the reception was really good. And then, uh, you know, obviously people gave me some suggestions on what else I should do, <laughs> which was, you know, fine. I figured this out loud, you know, everyone, you know, seems to, people seem to like to do that. You all, you all know that you know unsolicited advice is you know friend to no one but fine and uh yeah it was great so then it seemed like a really great. good system it was really a great system. system it was a, a serration awesome. station it was it was it was 
I think that people see the work rest as it, your work goes on it. This to me wasn't a work rest because the railing kind of puts you in the puts your hands in the middle of the contact wheel. So it was really like it gave me much more stability and then the ability to kind of move faster. And then I did one. I had an offset straight and you to go out next, uh, go out this coming week. And it worked perfectly. It went much faster, much more even. The serration, it was, I was, I could see my guidelines. It was great. It was really great. And it was, uh, you know, I think helpful to a lot of people. So that was really cool. And then, and then I got really insp- inspired, I got irritated because owner Kaglar has this new, or had a, uh, a knife vice stand, and I and I was so so you can you know you, it's a tube that uh, mounted to a piece of steel that you bolt to your table, and then there's like a set screw, and then you put your knife inside so you can uh, grind or carve or sand your handle. So I've been fucking around with putting it in the vice and putting it on a board and going back and forth, and it's just it's so inefficient. I was like, maybe somebody has one for you know longer knives and. I looked around, I couldn't find anything, and I was just like, I'm just going to make one. And I thought, I'm going to devote 45 minutes to making one. I ran over to where the scrap bin is, and I found a piece of tube, uh, pipe, not tubing. You know, pipe is the inside dimension, tubing is on the outside dimension. And then put a couple pieces of wood in, and then I drilled and tapped a, a set screw. And then um, I actually have a, uh, a vice that's a plumber's vice so the top jaws are jaws and then you can, it spins around it swivels around and then hmm. the bottom side is uh for holding pipes so it was a super fast a super super fast uh way to make a really good i mean a fine a fine knife clamp but it was super helpful to me and i was really pumped because it only took me 45 minutes and it was as cheap as can be you don't need a weld you don't need to do any of that hmm. stuff so so, so what's the purpose? So you can spin the pipe around yeah, you can get the knife out right. of the Right, so you're not dealing with either the top and the bottom of the spine and then the sides. So before mm-hmm. I had like two vices. One was for, you know, with soft jaws so I could go on the spine, you know, I could sand the spine and the bottom. And then I would go to another vice next, right next to it and then I'd kind of soft clamp it to the board so I could do the sides. This way, mm-hmm. it's the wood is holding it tight and then I can unloosen the vice and then spin the pipe. So I'm, I'm, it's much more, it's much more easy to work with. So you're just gotcha. kind of moving fast. You're not going back and forth. And it's very like, you know, I've been dying for something like that, but I don't think they make them for, if the people who sell them, I don't think they make them for like long chef nut. Right. Yeah. So, mm. so you've been tool making this week. That's two tools. It was two, two quickies, two super quickies. Mm. And then, uh, I got involved with something. I talked my way into some bullshit, <laughs> funny bullshit. That I'll, I'll talk about it at the end of the show. It's just been it's enough already. With but it's good, good week. And then I saw my sister yesterday, and then uh, we had a nice, uh, felt like a normal, semi-normal uh, day. You know. Hmm. Yeah. The I, I know we don't like talking about the weather here. It's the most boring thing in the world. But <laughs> this like last Friday, we, we we were full of mosquitoes, and we had to go to the lake for a swim to cool down, and it was boiling hot. Today is like three degrees. It's freezing oh, here. Wow. We're, well, very close to freezing at three degrees, you know? it's Wow. It's just come in a week. It's just been crazy. But I love it. You've got the fire on and, I, I you know, time to hunker down. I enjoy that kind of stuff. Can I make an sure. admission? Yeah. I will admit, I don't admit to a lot of things, but I admit the whole Celsius thing seems a little smarter than the whole of course. Fahrenheit thing. <laughs> Zero freezing, a hundred boiling. It's yeah. it's seems, a scale. Seems, Simple. Seems a little bit more appropriate to you know normal humanity. 
I mean, I'm not going to switch over, but it just seems like, I mean, I can never figure it out, but then someone, my kid was doing something. He's like, yeah, yeah, Celsius is just zero. Zero is freezing. I'm just like, yeah, it seems like it's a good idea. Yeah. And you can get, you know, you can get minus, then you get minus seems, 20, I mean, and all the rest of it. But, well, what the fuck and is the same as metric systems and, you know, other, other sort of. Yeah, just don't get, cra- of... don't get crazy. I'll admit to one thing. I won't admit <laughs> There's to a reason science uses these measurement, forms of measurement. It's okay. It, they make the most sense. <laughs> I know, but I mean, yeah. why they're different? Why are they different everywhere? Ugh, and everyone's going to be yeah. like, oh, you're It's like money, isn't it? You, money is a metric system. So you'll get like 100 cents in your dollar or wherever it is. You. you crazy americans use no, but, but but let's say you had you know three sixteenth of a dollar that's ridiculous like, <laughs> nobody would ever do that but you do that when it comes to like drill sizes and so on it's it's crazy crazy three sixteenth of a dollar i i have wondered about that and it doesn't make sense to me why they break down i mean i guess i understand they just broke it uh, took an inch broke it in half and then broke those in half and so on and so forth but mm. It doesn't make sense to me because, you know, in the metric system, uh, a meter is broken down into 100 centimeters. Centimeters. And then and those are... That, exactly. Yeah. They're smaller forms of the previous measurement. And so why isn't a foot not only broken down into 12 inches, but every inch broken down into twelfths as well? Because a twelfth can be split into half, thirds, quarters, sixths, eighths. And it's so much more flexible of a measure. Part of me wants to like create a new measuring tape just so oh, good. Yeah, just we need another one, <laughs> another one. But seriously, it totally makes more sense. There's so many times where I'm like, God, this is almost a third, but instead it's like, whatever, seven thirty seconds. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. You know I, why? I regret yeah. bringing this up. I regret bringing this it's up. It's your fault, Jeff. It's my fault. Oh, it is a hundred percent my fault. And when I was talking, no question, I made a fucking huge mistake. This was. This is a huge mistake because when I was talking about Garth Brooks and fucking when he was an emo guy, oh, you have no idea how many messages I got on why he did it and why he was, and it was fine. And I regret bringing this subject up. All right. But well, I will tell you this. Is... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, send it to Murat. Yeah, if you have anything, you send it to him. I, I just said it would be nice <laughs> if we started at zero. That's all. I didn't say anything about anything. But you can, if you want to be easy, you can get measuring tapes, American measuring tapes, with the fractions on them. You ever mm. seen those? Those are for, I mean, children, but fine. <laughs> I mean, <I'm> not... <laughs> but God. But I, I, I don't get, like, the American system. Let's say, for example, oh, oh, we're going to go into yeah, Wait, 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 I got to stop. One second, we'll go right into it. Please, listeners, okay. do not bring this up to us in the DMs. Not interested. I'm telling you now. Thank you. Here's the I'm with you. Here's the cheers glasses. Let's just leave it there. Let's just talk, and then I know. I know why you're going to tell them. Fine. Go ahead, Craig. Okay, cool. So let's say, um, let's talk weights. So um, pounds and stones <laughs> as opposed to kilograms. If somebody is, let's say... They're not going to be, let's say, six and a half pounds. I'd be used to writing 6.5 pounds, right. but that wouldn't then be six and a half pounds. And it just freaks me what out. What are you talking so about? Why, why, six why and a half why? pounds and 6.5 pounds is the same. But is it, though? Fucking well, maybe yes. It is then. Fucking yes, it is. It's 100% the same. Half and 0.5 is the same. Okay. But there's more than 10 ounces in a pound, isn't there? There's like 14 No idea. Weird. 16. I'm still I'm still at zero is freezing. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so if it's written down six point five pounds, right. six and a half pounds. Is that six 
£6, 5 ounces, or is it 6 and a half? Six, which would be six, six pounds, eight ounces. seven ounces, eight ounces. Oh, I'm, just, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm know. just preparing myself for the fucking daily <laughs> emails. No, it breaks down like inches. <sighs> pounds break down like Gosh. inches into sixteenths. You know There's what is more annoying? In a pound. If you're if you're driving and someone and you see a sign that says something's five tenths of the way, I want to <laughs> fucking drive straight into that sign. <laughs> Five tenths or three tenths of the way. Oh my god! You gotta come on, guys. You're you're playing. Someone at the DEP is fucking around. <sighs> Listeners of the podcast, I apologize. Please do not. If you do send your <laughs> you do want to send us the messages. Please send them to Craig at chopknives.com because he wants to know why. Send them to him. Send them to his. I don't DMs. need to know why. Sure I'm, I'm just. I'm happily. I'm happy to be confused. Happy. Give him a little okay. burlesque. <laughs> da, 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 five tenths is a six. <laughs> <laughs> Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! To the chopper, indeed. I've been using my Even Heat a lot this week and every time rock solid. So, yeah, head on over to evenheat-kiln.com. Um, and have a look at their lovely, lovely kill. P.S. Hey, man, can I ask? Yes, <laughs> I was just about to congratulate you on your on your fucking button pushing. That was no editing, ladies and germs. We don't do any editing, so there doesn't there's not a better there is not a better segue button pusher than Craig Lockwood at Shop Knives. <laughs> there is none, 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 none. No editing, as you were, and you broke it by saying it. I fucked up. You did. Hey, man. Can I ask you a question? This is where you ask questions, and we might have answers. <laughs> we don't necessarily know everything, but we're doing our best to try to be helpful. I'm uh, actually, so I'm gonna... so real quick, I'm yeah, actually working ahead. on a new bit of called, um, it's not going to be on this episode, but a new bit called, We Definitely Do Not Know the Answer to This. <laughs> and it's going to be me, <laughs> me reading these questions that we get. And I'm gonna. The betting is gonna be if you guys know the answer or not. But it's gonna be. I have a pile of stuff that we just don't do. And I'm like, we don't know about that. We don't know about that. Now I'm like starting to collect them all. And then we're gonna do a bit of all. Of, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna call it, but it's gonna be my new favorite bit. Nice. I like it. All right. I'm gonna kick it off with this first question. Is from at Lenart. Uh, he says, hey, I'm a knife fan from Germany. I want to become a knife designer, but I have no experience and don't know how it works. That's why I want to ask you a few questions. What do I have to do to become a knife designer? How do I sell my designs? What do I have to consider? How much money do you earn? And do you have any tips for me? <laughs> Lenard. He wants it all. Yeah. You know what? I, I responded to this immediately. Like I just wrote, you should definitely listen to episode number one and just start there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There's no, there's this, like, this is, I thought it would be a fun way to kind of put some blood in your systems, guys. Jeez. Mm, <laughs> okay, let's, let's break it down. Um, what do I have to do to become a knife designer? Um, <laughs> have an idea, um, you know, even on a bit of paper. And, I mean, there are services that you can use, so you don't have to be a maker if you think you've got a design that could work. Um you know, I I get stuff laser cut out or water jet cut out. Um, but there are some companies that'll do the whole thing for you. I, I think Fox in Italy, they'll take a design, they'll do the heat treat, they'll do the grind, they'll even fit the hand. They they make a complete knife based on your design. So you know, there are ways to do it. But 
I'd say if you want to, you know, if you want to know how a knife works and what what is a good knife, I think you need to be making some. To be honest with you, mm. at I least take classes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of enthusiasts out there. They've got huge collections of knives that have never made a knife, and you know, they've obviously got a very good knowledge of what makes a good knife. So, I don't know. I'd... Sure. This I should have put that in the I don't know question. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. <laughs> bet. I don't know. Yeah. Let's run through them really quickly. How do I sell my my designs? We've never been in a better time for selling stuff online. So uh, Wix, Squarespace, Shopify, there's all these different platforms where you can sell and the whole world is your customer. What do I have to consider? <laughs> Started episode one. There's plenty to consider, yeah. <laughs> How much money do you earn? None of your business. <laughs> do you have any tips for me? Started episode one. There we go. Yeah. There we go. I think the problem is a lot of people just We've gotten to the point where information is so readily available, we think that everything is a degree of plug and play. The information is great, but like physical, hand, using your hands and then coming up with ways in which to kind of jump over small hurdles, it's based on experience. And it's just not one of those things where you can just, you know, there's like this very easy way to go about it. I mean, perfect example is my serrations. I, I've been making serrations for, you know, what, a year and a half, two years. And thanks to Mareko, who was, gave me the first tip on how to do it. But it's taken me a long time to kind of make evolutions in what's going to work for me. Same thing with this mm-hmm. knife vice holder. Experience and, like, subtleties and there's, everything is not, you know, exact. It, you, you have to have some degrees of, like, perfect examples. Like, people say, my... My when I grind my knives, my hands hurt because of the burning of the hands. So you have to know that that what that means. So this means that that means this, and you just have to kind of get into it. There's no, you're not going to get like a very uh, standard answer to this. Hmm. I just yeah. I just think it's hilarious that somebody would ask us a question like that. It's just I mean, it's like you wouldn't say the same. You wouldn't say I want to be a professional cook, but I've never picked up a you know frying pan before. <laughs> How do I do it? <laughs> You can only get yeah. so far with YouTube videos and books. Yeah, when it yeah. comes to like selling design, like I don't even know where you would start by selling your designs unless you've already been. Yeah, I, I guess I just come from my own perspective. Is like, why would anybody want to buy my stuff unless I've already proved it by showing that my designs are like by making my own stuff and showing that the designs work. And then also mm-hmm. like, you know, if it comes to companies, like unless you know somebody at the company who's in charge of taking in new designs and stuff like that, and like how you, you have, to, I think you'd have to have some sort of in. Otherwise, I don't know how or why anybody well, the, would be interested in buying your knife design. The the move yeah. that you hear from a lot of people is when you first start in, you start to give them away, and then you start to you know you start to give them to family and friends, and then you start to get better, and you start to. There's not, you know, being a knife designer right out of the game is going to be tough. I mean, like like Craig says, I mean, you could design something like when we were doing those knives on uh, Knife Print, that great company that you could design something. But you can design something on like a computer, but then if it's not in your hands, like I, I when I, I downloaded uh, Craig's original design, it, and it, just the way it printed out, it was like, I might get, this won't work in my hands. Can't do it. And it because it just went wrong yeah you actually have to feel these things you have to feel and understand what's going on it's just too much there's too much to learn with thinking you know how much money can you make you can make anywhere from zero to a lot i mean it's Mm -hmm. 
Well, and I think too that when a like either, whether it's a, a small one-off custom knife maker all the way up to big manufacturers nowadays, when if somebody's looking to do a collaboration, part of that collaboration or considering that collaboration is, you know, how easy are these things going to be to sell? And if you know, especially like a big big company like like Boker or something like that, like a lot of the stuff they do in collaboration with makers. Uh, and their designs is because those people, those makers already have reputations. So the reality from a business right. standpoint of being able to sell those knives or, or being a challenge, like it should be pretty straightforward, especially if that maker's like, Hey, I have this design that I'm doing with Boker and it's coming out, blah, blah, blah. And it's really right. cool. And blah, blah, they could, they should be able to flip those mm-hmm. knives, knives, no problem. But if you don't have a reputation, if you don't, if all you have is design, that that's not enough even if it's a great it could be the best fucking design ever i don't think that's the that's the enough to 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 be able to justify especially to uh any especially to a large manufacturer but you you know you might be able to connect with a, a custom maker who appreciates and understands what you're doing and then the go for there but i think it's going to be hard if basically like just nobody knows who you are the real thing is, is if you look at the question, he says, I have no experience. You got to get experience. That's it. I mean, let's yeah, just stop yeah. the question right here because it's like, it's not good enough, you know? I, and, and to the point where I think that a lot of regular knife makers, they think something and it's still not good enough. Like getting your business off the ground, getting like, even if you have a reputation, even if you know what you want to do, the volume of people who are actually being able to live off of it and do something with it is very minimal. It's a very, and I'm sorry to be, you know, depressing, but you got to do whatever it takes. And a lot of it has to do with like inner fortitude. It's dealing with your problems. It's dealing with your issues that are preventing you from being successful. And that's really the big thing. It's like, I can tell you a tip, but it's like, you know, it's a just lip service. You got to get experience, period, done. Mm-hmm. You know, just watching Alex Steele ain't going to do it. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Alex. Okay, next one <laughs> like is Alan, from Kind man. Father's Knives. Um, and they've sent the message via Instagram. And if you've got a question... Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. Love that guy. And he said, hey, guys, quick question. When doing a forced patina with mustard, how long do you leave the mustard on your blade? He says, thanks for the podcast as always. And that's Steve Kind's father. Um, force but I haven't really done many. I've done a couple, but I haven't done that many. Morocco, do you do force patinas on your um I wouldn't have thought so, on your Damascus? I have not. But I have mm. looked into it. Um and from what I understand, and I I think Jeff's actually done a force patina, so I'll, yeah. I'll let him do the real answering from his own I, experience. It's not but... gonna be real answering, but it's gonna be like <laughs> Gonna be a little answer, but from from what I've read, um, is you just take yeah, just like yellow hot dog mustard or whatever, like yellow mustard doesn't have to be anything fancy, and just kind of either with a paper towel or or a cotton ball or even like Q-tips, like just blot it around the blade, let it sit for whatever an hour or something like that, wash it off. And either call it good or do another coat, and you can just keep building it up um, and uh, making an interesting pattern. I will say that f- from what I've observed and seen, 
is that um, wherever the m mustard is the thinnest, which me you know just instead of a thick bloop of it on the on the knife, there's like it's it's a little bit smeared be between bloops or whatever, especially if you're blotted on. Um, where it has more of that exposure to the oxygen instead of the mustard just completely blocking off the blade from from air, um, it's that's where it will darken the most. I think that that's probably the biggest mistake I see people make is they put it on thick, thinking that they're gonna get it like a really cool patina. But the problem is when you put it on thick, the oxygen's not getting in there, and that's what that's really what's making that kind of creating that reaction is the oxygen and the acid in contact with the surface of the blade. So fucking I think awesome. doing what's that? that was fucking, that was a fucking awesome small part of the tip. Mm. Awesome. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, but, Thank you. <laughs> but I think, uh, doing multiple coats or multiple layers is a good way to, to go especially if you want to create some interesting depth some of the most interesting ones if you guys want to check it out on instagram i've seen are from bloodroot blades especially a lot of their earlier stuff it's crazy how i don't know if they were playing with different times for each layer but it it had some like real depth on some of the uh the patina layers it's really neat so anyways that's that's what i've got i haven't tried it yet this is all just arm sharing. That you, um, you arm shared it right. I mean, it's every different <laughs> thing you put on is going to be, you know, a different, it's a different texture. Like a Noah Vachon used a straw and he got these little dots, but they were beautiful in layers. Sure. Um, I, some people like to use cheap mustard. Some people like to use Grey Poupon. I've used, you know, like, you know, something with a lot of, it's the white wine vinegar. And exactly what you said, it's like the thin parts are where it comes deep. In terms of time, it also depends on the steel. Some steel reacts differently. I'm working on a cleaver right now that's really like I could leave it on for hours, and it's I'm not really re getting as dark as I'd like it to be, and I'm fooling around with different things and, you know, exposing more of the raw steel instead of, you know, the, you know, it doesn't really work as well on, like, um, like mill scale, or it doesn't really, it, it likes mm. the ex, as exposed as possible. Um, and that's what kind of really kind of rea it reacts to. But yeah, no, you can do, you know, five minutes and then wash it off and another five minutes and another five minutes, you get half an hour. And depending on the steel and how you put it on, you end up exactly, well, yeah, what exactly what Mareko said. It's, it's the, the depth you'll get. And, um, guys who do a great job, like, um, uh, Tomer from Florentine Kitchen, as I say him all the time, uh, I learned from him. I learned from Jared Thatcher. Nova Sean, uh, it's a, it's a nice structure for, uh, as like, I call it like a, a scaffolding for the patina to develop. And mm -hmm. I have a couple from, I have one from, uh, Tomer and that's exactly what's happening. It's not like, you know, I'm just getting patina in one spot, but yeah, fool around with different, I have a sponge that I cut into like almost like a sphere and then, um, it just, so, so there's not like crazy edges, but yeah. You perfect. It was a perfect answer. Perfect answer. Not from me, from Rick. <laughs> okay. Next question comes from Chris Nash. Hey guys, can I ask you a question? Straightening blades. Is it feasible to pull a blade out of the quench at a temperature where it can be straightened and put it on a magnetic plate to finish the cooling and straightening at the same time? Or would the magnetism alter the steel structure? I would have put the... I think if you're facing north and it's a full moon, okay. you'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Absolutely fine. <laughs> That's the Josh Scott method. 
<laughs> I would. Um, I, I was just gonna say real quick. I would be concerned about how that high heat would affect those magnets. Um, that is a, a hot, temperature and magnets do not play nicely, and so I would be concerned about that. Would you, what, I think. Can you elaborate a I, little bit? Just out of curiosity. Just uh, so. It, it, I think from what I've read, um, it, it will actually affect the magnetism of magnets. Um, you're kind of like reorganizing or mixing things up by applying heat to a magnet. And so you can potentially demagnetize. I could be, again, I'm armchairing a little bit. So I might be talking way out of my ass. But what I've heard and what I've, I've read is that you want to be careful Um when it comes to magnets. Now I know that people use magnets in heat treating, but you know, they're not just sitting on there holding it for a long time. They're just barely touching it to it. And so how, how much of that heat is actually transferring? I don't, I don't really think is that much, but if you're putting a blade that's still sitting at 600, 700 degrees onto a magnetic plate, as it continues to come down, you're getting a lot more time in contact with those magnets. And that could really potentially could really mess things up. I think there's also this misconception that if you put something on a flat plate, that's going to straighten your warp out. A lot mm -hmm. of times yeah. with things that are warped, you need to overcorrect even just a little bit. So like you can't just clamp, you know, if something's warped, you can't just clamp it flat and then put it in the oven and then expect it to be flat. You have to overcorrect. Same thing as when you're pulling it out of the, out of the quench a little bit hot and then you're able to kind of flex it. You're not flexing it straight. You're you're overcorrecting it to kind of overcorrect that original warp. So flat. That's why when I play quench, I tell people like your plates aren't going to necessarily keep your shit flat. Is if it's already warped, it's going to help. But I mean, you need to overcorrect a warp in order to get it straight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, almost like that springiness to it. You need to take yeah. it back the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what I tend to do if I've got like a bunch of blades, which I, you know, I, I tend to work in batches, is um, if one is um, has got a warp to it, I don't necessarily have to overcorrect it. But what I'll do, I'll um, I've got two big thick steel plates, sort of half inch. Is is, is that what you Americans call it? Half uh, inch. I prefer point five. <laughs> thank you very much. Point five of an thank inch. You. Thank okay. Um, and I'll stick a whole batch in there, so it's like a big brick. Um, and when I temper it, then um, there's no overcorrection happening. But just by the sheer mass of it, when I pull it out, that tends to keep things keep things straight. So it's like one big rake that I put into temper all in together. I took that advice um, from you, and I did it for these uh, offset serrated. I started clamping them all together. I never did that before. I, I hmm. said, let's see what Craig's up to. And it worked. How did it work? Great. But I put them in the temper straight too. Ah, okay. There wasn't. Okay. There wasn't. Yeah. Nothing was. Nothing was out of crazy. Nothing was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I think if there's a really bad uh, warp, then I would, you, you know, use like a shim, like a penny is a shim and overcorrect. But, you know, if if the, if it's ever so slight, by the time you, you clamp it all up as one big rig, you, you'll be good to go. That's also right. why you see knife makers and bladesmiths when they're putting their steel back into the forge. You always want things straight when you put them in. So, it, you know, you need to, that's why, you know, you... You're aligning at the end while the heat's lowering and lowering and lowering. You want to always start off straight. So, especially with the quench, I think I think people just assume that you know they cross their fingers and hope that it's going to go in straight. But a lot of times, it's in the normalizing, or you, know, you have to like you want to really do everything you can to keep it straight the whole way through. Hmm. 
Yeah. Okay, Eric Markman has got the next one. Um, what is the deal with mirror-polished faces on forge hammers? And he says, after a few hits, the mirror polish is gone because the forge scale is some of the most hardest and most abrasive stuff in the shop. So he's, you know, he's on about these beautiful pictures you see on Instagram of, you know, what mirror polished faces to mm. hammers. What, what's all that about? Is that just just cosmetic? What do you think, Marekko? Um, I mean, I think it, probably. I, I mean, it, it looks great. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it does. I mean, if you can do a good job maintaining that face, um, it can help with getting some really clean forged surfaces. But to a mirror polish, I, I don't know if that's necessary. I, I think if I redress my, my hammer faces, it's usually only to about 220 max um, high finish. Um, otherwise, I, I think it looks great in the photos. Well, they're what not think, keeping. Jeff? Well, they're not keeping. The guys who are doing it are are making it and selling it, and the idea is the mirror polish finish was is to show you that you get to be the first one to fuck this thing up, you know. And and I remember back in the day, when every time uh, Ori Hoff used to come to the Center for Mental Arts, like a week beforehand, one of the guys would start mirror polishing his hammers, and then when he'd come in, he fucking loses his mind. He says, "Who did this? These are supposed to be used. These aren't supposed to be." You know, these are supposed to be used, and I want them to be used. You don't mirror polish my hammers anymore. So a lot of people don't do it at all. I think for guys who are selling it, like John Ariani or or Cliff or that that, that idiot. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get me in so much trouble. I, 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 you're gonna get me in so much trouble. But like you know, or like Ben Snoor, you're dealing with like they want you to know that you're getting it, and they're spending all this time to make it nice. There are other guys who like that, like my buddy Darren Fisher. Because especially if you're using uh, soft metals, you don't want any dings in your hammer when you're hitting. So, like, dings in your hammer will fuck everything up. And you, you are right. I mean, they're, they're not meant to stay. It's meant to say, like, when you get this hammer, you have all the rights in the world to fuck this thing up. You're going to be the first one. You know, you don't want to start, you know, making hammers and then making a mirror, pit pop, a mirror finish and then forging with them and then sending them in the mail with all these dings and scratches. <laughs> true are we ready for the next one boom yeah. alright this next one's from Peter Gonzalez he says have you ever had an existing customer advise you uh, they have moved to a new address after they've received notification their knife has been delivered so his this is unnecessarily long backstory but basically I, I read it earlier so I'm just going to summarize uh, he sent the knife out the, he sent the guy the tracking number. He got the email showing that the knife had arrived, but the knife wasn't there. And so the customer was asking if the maker had sent it to the old address. Um, and I've actually had this happen. Um, for, th thank goodness for mail forwarding, though. So hopefully people, when you move, always do the mail forwarding in case something needs to get sent to you, whatever. Um, but... Uh, the, I had this happen for a customer, and it was the exact same situation. The guy, uh, this maker apparently always confirms the ad mailing address before he sends stuff out. This time he didn't. Same thing happened to me. I I forgot. I was like in a rush to get it out. You know, I I've been in communication with the guy for uh, a while, um, just before I was sending the knife, and 
so it didn't even cross my mind to reconfirm his mailing address because I feel I for some reason I assumed that was be something that he was going to tell me in our communication that we'd been having and he did not and uh, I shipped the knife to his address in San Francisco but he had moved up to Fairbanks Alaska um and so fortunate for me he had a friend that was in San Francisco, who was able, he was able to coordinate with the post office there for his friend to pick it up, who happened to be coming up to Fairbanks to visit him oh my God, in Alaska. But ass. holy shit, that was, I was about, yeah. And this guy, this maker asking this question, he's, he's ready to replace the knife. Um, and that's good on him. I, I don't know what the hell I was going to do with that knife. Uh, How are the guts? How are your guts during this whole mm -hmm. process? I'm like, uh, I was pretty nervous. I was like really nervous that potentially it got delivered and it went to somebody else. Um, yeah. And I was, I was super, I was pretty sick to my stomach actually. Yeah. But mm. fortunately, um, uh, we were, yeah, like I said, I was able to coordinate with the guy's friend and they got the knife and, but since then, every time I always, always confirm, even if for some reason the communication delays, the knife getting mailed out a day or whatever just because of delays in communication i i'd rather there be a slight delay than the knife being sent to the complete wrong address yeah yeah and it's easy enough to do i've I've got like a template on my so i use squarespace and they got like email campaigns in there i've got a template for that just checking addresses and but whether you use mailchimp or shopify have one now as well that you know these email templates Set yourself up a template. It's easy to fire off um, just before you, you know, you, you ship shipping it and um, you should be good to go. But um, yeah, I mean, I've had um, not necessarily the wrong address, but I ha I've had things that have gone by registered mail. And I know they've been signed for by the person and they've said they haven't received the knife. So all these things are just, they're not the kind of thing you want to be doing as a knife maker. All this is the kind of admin you do want to be doing. So yeah, if you can set up an email template hey i just want to check your address that you haven't moved since order it'll it'll save you a lot of time i sent i just sent a cleaver to tomer quarantine kitchen knives a little bit of treats inside about almost a month ago mm. i haven't heard a thing I, I didn't even charge him i didn't charge him until he gets there i'm fine you know yeah. i think i lost this i think this thing is gone okay. priority us us prior usps but the post office people say, well, I don't know why it's easier to send from Europe to the United States than it is from the United States to Europe. Finkel Ferguson got some T-shirts from him. They came right away, inexpensive and everything else. But for me to send to Tomer, it was such a production. And they said to me, like, all right, once they get it, once they get it in, in Barcelona, we're, it's out of our hands. Yeah. Mm. It's like... Is what I find with tracking numbers is if I'm sending here from France, let's say to the U.S., when they change sort of operator, so they'll get, they'll get to the border, then, you know, an American shipping company will take it from there. Quite often, those tracking numbers cease to exist from that point. So it's, it's tracked, like, to the airport. Then after that, the tracking number just doesn't work. You know, it doesn't say anything else. Or sometimes it will. It's just inconsistent, and it's just, ugh, a real Jeez. pain in the ass. I right? rarely have a problem in the United States, but and, and um, especially recently. I've never. I've only had a problem once is with this guy, Henry Golden. He, uh, we had a problem with his knife, but other than that, I've never, pardon me, pardon me, but everything, the Europe thing sucks. I, ha I hate sending to Europe only because, you know, and that's why I don't do t-shirts and hats and shit over there because it's such mm. a goddamn production. 
And then, uh, but at the same time, exactly what um, Rex is, my last email, I'll dangle a picture of it being finished and ready to go. And, and then I'll say, what was that address you wanted me to send to? Even though it's on the, uh, the, the invoice, I just like to double check just to make sure. Because yeah. Yeah. it's good with us because we can, you know, I can just use our, you know, whatever, our program to just print direct. And then it's just like, you put the address in, not me. But I do like yeah. that. I don't want to have to deal with the, I didn't get it. What's going on? I had once had a guy who I made the first bull elk for. And then I sent it to him. He was a, a Black Hawk helicopter captain. And I sent it to his, I don't know, his address in wherever he was stationed in Texas or something like that. And then I gave him the information and he said, hey, man, I didn't get this package yet. It says it was delivered. What's going on? And I'm like, did you check the P.O. box? And he goes, oh, no, I didn't do that yet. I'm like, well, go check the fucking box, dude. Captain. I mean, come on. You know, and then, and then he, he, oh, oh, it's here. It's here. Oh, you don't say. Oh, Captain. Good job, Captain. You know, but it all worked out. But I've, of course, I was at knots in my guts at 2 o'clock in the morning because, you know, Captain was, you know, sleeping at the wheel. Yeah, it happens. Oh, happens. The worst. Okay, next one is from Sacco Knives. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? How do you guys feel about putting customers' names on a knife, either etching or handle engraving or whatever it may be? He's had a couple of people ask to have their names etched on the blade, and he's not sure that he's comfortable putting them someone else's name on something he's made. And he says, thanks for keeping me company. So customers who want a sort of customization of, of their, their name, basically, on the, on the blade or whatever, um, have you done it? And if so, why? And if not, why not? I have done it. Hmm. How do you feel about it? Fine. I don't. How does it make you feel inside? I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm fine. Because realistically, if the customer really wants it, they're going to either do it themselves or or have some silly friend of theirs try to be say, oh, I can just write your name on it. Whatever. I want to be in control of the process more than anything. It's a control problem. So I say, all right, they're going to do it themselves anyways. I might as well be part of it. So I put their name on there. But also, I don't think anybody's going to be confused that that person made that knife. No fucking yes. way. So I'm, I have no problem with it. In fact, I, I have another order coming up where a customer is going to be getting their name marked on part of the knife somewhere. I don't know. I give so, you yeah. a lot. You've changed my opinion right now. I fucking oh, yeah? hate it. Oh, yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I once had a guy who I was sending a progress report, and I had, this is when I was <coughs> stamping my t touch mark in before heat treatment. Sorry. Sorry. Fine. Do your thing, professional podcast. Choking on a pork yeah. pie. <laughs> what? What are you chewing on? <laughs> Who's in there with you? Jesus Christ. Who's pork? <laughs> so, oh, Jesus, I, Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you fucking take this out, you little bastard, you. <laughs> so, so uh, I remember I was I when I was pre-stamping before heat treatment. I sent him a message saying, "This is when I put my touch mark on." And the guy wrote me back, "Well, what about my touch mark?" I'm like, what do you mean? What about your touch mark? He's like, "I want my initials engraved." And I already sent it to him. I'm like, I can't. I've already, I've already, you know, done everything. It's. He's like, "Well, I want my touch mark on it." It's like, dude, I had to explain what touch mark meant. It didn't, you know, it. And, yep. and, and I hate ever since then I hated initials because it's just like, um, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And it's because one guy said to me recently, he's like, well, how am I going to know it's my knife when I'm in a kitchen? 
fuckface. It's a red knife. I mean, what do you? I don't know. What do you want from me? I mean, it's like there's just. What do you mean? The initials are what's gonna. People are gonna know that's your knife. Get the fuck out of here, man. So, but you've changed my opinion. I like the idea of. However, I'm still gonna push away from it. But I do like oh, the sure. idea of having complete control. But it's yeah. like I I dis I dislike it intensely. I dislike it and. Then another guy says, well, what do you do? I was like, well, we don't, we do electro etching now. You can get a stencil. He's like, well, I like to buy a stencil. How much is a stencil? And all said and done, I said, okay, it's going to be 175 bucks. He's like, what? Why is it so expensive? I said, because schmuck, you do it for like 20, 30 knives. It's not a big deal. But if you're going to get a stencil made for one knife, it's a production. Hmm. Why is yeah. it so expensive? Because you're being an asshole. That's why it's so expensive. <laughs> you're being unreasonable. And this is not your goddamn knife. And your, your little goofy little initials aren't going to be the one that just, oh, I can't take this knife. It says, you know, EG. I mean, it's like, come on, man. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it maybe half a dozen times. Um, and again, then I was using stencils and you get a stencil made and it was just like, oh, it was just a pain. You know, you're waiting for the, the stencil to come in the mail and all the rest of it. And it's just a real pain. But uh with the laser, I'm going to be doing sort of custom stuff, but it won't be. It won't just be writing people's names and things. You know, it'll be you know uh, illustrations or that kind of stuff instead. Ooh. So it'll be, it'll be quite nice to to do that. But um, yeah, I, I find it weird. People want a name on on a knife anyway. That that is a bit people weird. like it. People like it. People it's fine. Weird. You know, um, I if I had a laser, I wouldn't be this grumpy about it. If I had a laser, yeah. Oh. What kind of script do you want? Comic Sans, you got it. <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine if that yeah. was your only thing i will do your oh. initials i will agree whatever you want it has to be in comic sense can you fucking imagine how great <laughs> would that fucking be oh my god what do you mean that's all this this system is it only works with comic sans <laughs> fucking great that'd be that's fucking funny. awesome can you imagine this beautiful knife? can you imagine if Mareko did this beautiful knife and you put the fucking guy's name in it, comic sans how great is that Somebody getting a call? Yeah, yes. call there, Craig. Sorry, there's so many you know, noises. Ever since you up, fucking sorry. said that I don't run a grid, the Full Blast podcast is not a professional podcast, it's all been coming at you. Pork pies <laughs> and know, telephones sorry, yeah. and <laughs> coughing and what's going on over there? Come on, man. You're the czar. El Presidente. Oh, speaking of which, speaking of then, I'll give you the time to whatever you're going to do next, is we got a nice, you, you got a nice message from the Art of Craftsmanship. They were doing a advice shows, a show on the Makery Network, and they and mm -hmm. they were get they they horked everybody for advice, and then they and then when they were talking to Craig, they called him El Presidente or something like that. They said, "Oh, the, ah. the big boss sent in his message." <laughs> I love boss. that you're getting this reputation <laughs> as being like the head mocker here at the Makery Network. It's great, Jesus. eating pork Not pies bad. and belching and. Oh, that's great. I, I was nearly sick on that pork pie. Then. I, I inhaled it. It went around the wrong way. <laughs> it did it. Down the wrong hole. Fucking pork pie. <laughs> pork pie. The pl that's okay, the placer. That's the, the president placer. There you go. All right. Cut. This next one is from David Pinn. He says, uh, could you explain when you would use a different speed? When you would use different speeds on a 2x72 with a variable uh, frequency drive or a VFD, um, is it generally faster on steel and slower on wood, or is there more to it than that? So when do you guys use different speeds? It basically has a ranking from 0 to 100, right? So how do you guys adjust right. your speeds for different different processes? Or I can kick it off if I'm you guys Generally, want. at about 
Go three sixteenths most of the time. I go, go to about five sixteenths. <laughs> 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 you little bastard, you. The VFT um, isn't matching. I mean, I guess. Yeah, he's got it right. Generally, faster on steel, slower on wood. Um, but there's lots of variables to that. So, if I'm just hawking off loads and you know I'm like profiling a blade, pork pie I'll talk. just whack it's it a pork up. Pie, pork pie talking. Are you hawking off is. loads? <laughs> I'll just I'll just whack it up and 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 get through it. Um, if I'm sort of on you know refining grinds, and uh, particularly if I'm using a a much sort of lighter weight belt, um, I, I'll turn it right down. Um, if I'm using like a small wheel attachment, again I'll turn it right down because obviously that small wheel is spinning so much faster than than a big wheel would. Um, and you know they've only got these little bearings on, so I'll generally turn it down then as well. And again, that's a time when you're probably using finishing belts as well. So turn it right down for them. Um, but on, on the whole, he's right. Um, generally faster on steel, slower on wood. Sure. For me, when I'm doing a lot of my, yeah, my, my main blade grinding, whether it's uh, primary grinding for heat treat or even my finish grinding, I'm at 100%, like hauling ass. Uh, and when I'm grinding the S grind and I have my radius platen in there, same thing. It's not until I start hitting probably about 120 or 220, I start slowing it down to about 60. Um, because as you get into those finer belts, you also experience a lot more friction and things can get heated up and overheated actually in the blade surprisingly quick. And so um, you don't want to get away from you and, and to ruin that temper in that blade. Um, when it comes to using any kind of like small wheel attachment or rotary platen, any kind of um, things with extra or like delicate bearings, I guess. Um, I, I don't usually go above 40 on my rotary uh, or on my uh, VFD. And then let's see when I'm sharpening, um, I'm usually at 20 or just below 20. Um, when I'm doing handle sculpting, I usually don't go above 60 because I find that it, it'll, if it's, if I go higher than that, I'm going to the, just the speed and the friction just burns the shit out of the wood. Um, mm. and what is it? Oh, when I'm doing like the final passes at the really high grit on my finish grinding, um, I'm probably around 40 as well. Um, but yeah, I'm all over the place from, from zero to a hundred. Sometimes actually mm. Jeff's talking about his new knife vice. And I saw he was uh, doing kind of like his, uh, his what is that, with the strip of sandpaper and you just kind of, I don't know what that's called. Um, but you're, you're like slacking, slack sanding you, you the, I, the handle in the vise. Yeah, right? I, put a, I put a little bit of tape behind it just to, so it doesn't rip. Sure, yeah, smart move. Um, something I've started doing all, uh, within like the last year or two is I just, I turn my belt or my, my machine off. And I'll just work with the grinder like it, like instead of holding the sandpaper, I'm holding the knife and just doing that slack sanding on the machine with this, without obviously in the slack uh, setup. Mm. And that way I'm controlling the contours and stuff and all. I can oh. actually put like a finger behind the belt if I want a little extra pressure somewhere and slide it up and down and just kind of, huh. I do my slack sanding that way with the machine off instead of, I, I don't have a knife vice and that might be, the only reason I do that, but, um, but yeah, wow, that's that's how I use that yeah. machine. Good idea. I'm sorry yeah. for I, I, I giggled before. 
Craig sent me a text of the fucking pork pie sitting next to him. <laughs> and, is there a pint I mean, of legitimately, beer on the other side of it? It wasn't a joke. I thought it was a euphemism for like getting his dick sucked or something like that. Or I don't know. <laughs> Not at all. Just picture my pie. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, Pardon me. I'd say another time actually where I'll turn it right, right down is um, if I'm going over like Corby's or Pins. Sure. Um, I generally turn it right, right down simply because it, whether they're brass or stainless pins or whatever, they'll get super fast, super, super hot, and they can burn the material around them. Right. And it's, it's horrible when you see that, you know a knife, and that's that's happened too. So, yeah, turn it right down for that reason as well. Um, but yeah, I mean a VFD that I, I don't think I could work without one now. They're, they're, they're that valuable to me, you know. I am convinced that belts are optimized four vfds because i don't think that you know that if you have a three i have two three speed motors and Ooh. <laughs> before i got the vfd and i'm convinced that i'm using the belts better with a vfd because mm. i'm kind of lowering it a little bit down or lifting it a little bit up I'm, i feel like i'm optimizing the belts um that's actually when you were talking about the the uh, contact wheel i just Mareko, the first time you ever came to my shop gave me a contact wheel with a uh uh with with an arm and he said just make sure you go slow and of course i'm the asshole that i am i'm like turning it right on and i'm like went full blast and then i fucking destroyed the the bearings so i had to ended up having to build a brand new one um but uh at the you know what i do lately is i do i would say i do <laughs> if this wasn't mil- i do seven eighths of the of the of the grinding <laughs> with the 36 grid belt and I'm actually more like 13 sixteenths. I do 13 sixteenths of the work with a with a with a with a 36 belt, and then and then I I'm I'm at a I'm at a, probably about 15 sixteenths on the on the VFD, and then when I switch to the belts that are going to just start to kind of calm down, you know, um, the grit progressions, I'll go way down, and I'm getting better reactions when I go closer to you know. Five sixteenths or something like that on the on the VFD. It's gonna. I'm gonna get that that transition of the grits is gonna be much finer if I'm slower on those, you know, smaller gridded, higher gridded belts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, whilst we're talking about belts, combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Do it now! Um, I've been tidying up this week again in the shop and um, I come across so many different belts that I didn't know I had. And um, that's one thing about combat. Go have a look on this site. They've got a range of so many different types of belt. Um, and next time you place an order, just, just try one or two different different brands or you know different styles. Um, and you may find that it'll save you a lot of time and money. So yeah, combat abrasives, and use knife talk fifteen. Get those, your get those Scotch Bright belts, dudes. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Going back to VFDs, I I couldn't live without a VFD now. I don't think when it comes to knife making because they just give you so much flexibility. So I've I've got another grinder here um, which doesn't have a VFD, and it literally just sits there now. It it just doesn't do anything. So, um, yeah, make sure you get a VFT. If, and if you're looking for a new grinder, Jeff, what do they need to get? Uh, Broadback Ironworks. That's what I use. It- and actually, it's not just Jeff, because I think, Mareko, you have one too, don't you? Yeah, and, I have. You know, they come, they come with VFTs. They're very flexible. They're... Go ahead, guys. You tell me all about your, your Broadback grinders. You want to kick it off? 
Well, I couldn't do I couldn't do the serrations on these knives if the Broadbeck Ironworks grinder didn't uh, go from uh, vertical to horizontal. So it's they're super they're great. I mean, I I've been using it. I love mine. Um, it's versatile, intuitive, long platen. Uh, lots of different attachments. I'm super excited about the new attachments coming up. I really like Vince and Ryan very much. They're very approachable guys. Um, I'm, I'm pumped. Keep talking. I'm eating my pork pie. Keep going. Keep <laughs> Your going. fucking pork pie. You got me all for toots. <laughs> um, I, I, I like how versatile they're. I'll tell you one other reason why I like them. This is something I've, I've noticed is because I had to do some changes on these serrations, I had to swap out arms. And the way they, they made it to the point where if you have it on the grinder and then it has a, uh, I don't remember the size of the steel uh, as the arm, they're making it standard. So you can like put stuff in, you can actually build your own, uh, if you needed to build a different arm, like my contact wheel, I needed a, something. One and a half inch there, but 1.5 inch. I was able to anyway. use it, just slip it right in. No problem. I love, I love it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, well, you kind of stole my talking point. Go ahead. But no. Do it I'm again. Uh, yeah, no, I, um, so that is exactly what I've had to do. Um, I, when I, when it comes to how I do my handle contouring, I, I have, um, my own platen arm that I built that has a really deep, um, kind of throat behind the belt. So it's about four inches of clearance back there. Cause I, you know, when I get into the contours and stuff, I'm just that handles swinging around all over the place and I need that clearance and I'm glad that, the broadback has uh, that flexibility. I think that is the biggest mistake that anybody in this game, uh, this knife making grinder making game, could make is is kind of a lock lock in in a way where, meaning, the tool arms that you use on their machine is the only thing you can use there, and you can't bring anything over. And I think the smart thing that uh, Vince and Ryan have done is you know allowed that flexibility. Um, in their tools and so yeah i'm really i'm thankful for that and and uh it works great it's a great grinder yeah super great super flexible um i love the all the attachments um they uh they, you can it's if you go to broadbackironworks.com put in knife talk 10 you get 10 percent off and i i'm surprised at how versatile it is and how eager they are to be as helpful as they can to knife makers and it's you know knife makers making grinders for the knife makers. And so they know what the problems that you're going to stumble upon. Okay, let's move on. One more one more question before we move on to Mareko's got a quiz for oh us this boy. week. So Smith and Sawdust have asked, um, hey guys, it's a hammer question. I see every self-respecting blacksmith or bladesmith out there swings a wooden handle and usually a handmade hammer. Rightly so, he says. Support the community and so on. I came across some hammers at a big store and online with composite fiberglass handles, and they're marketed as having less vibration and being easier on your body. Almost look like it could be adopted, uh, adapted to forging. Any thoughts on this? And is anyone out there making hammers like that? Uh, love the show. You guys rock and so on. So that was Smith and Sawdust. Mm. Um, so directed at you two guys, really, because I, I don't do much hammer at all. You have, um, you have a forging hammer. Where'd you get your forging hammer? Oh, fuck that <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> no, it's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely hammer. It's a lovely hammer. I just haven't had a chance to, to swing yeah. it. Yet. <laughs> I'm gonna get a call. I'm gonna get a call Monday morning. I get a call. It's all a joke. It's it's a beautiful hammer. It really is. So John Ariani, um, uh, I bought a hammer from him, and it, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. 
So, where were we? Um, composite handles. Um, do you have one? Um, could you see the advantage of one? And, you know, would it really cause less vibration? Uh, in oh. my experience, I was just going to say real quick, in my experience, in all of the different work I've done, even outside of forging, you know, they, they have fiberglass handles on shovels and rakes and, all, and sledgehammers and stuff. I, every time I've, I've used a fiberglass or composite handle, I fucking hated using that tool, whatever it was. Shovel is not that big of a deal, but anytime, <laughs> especially if it was a hammer or a sledgehammer, it was the worst. Um, there's something about using a wood handle that is more comfortable to me, I guess, more than anything. I think their biggest selling point is that technically they are lighter, um, but I don't really know by how much and how much that little bit of weight difference really makes um, in the overall performance and, and the usability of the tool. Um, so, and if you ever work on a construction site and you got a fiberglass hander, handle on anything, everybody's going to give you a fucking hard ass time for being a little bitch and not using a wooden handle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you got, Jeff? Oh, it's like these, these big box stores, they're trying to make those. They're not blacksmiths. Those blacksmith hammers are terrible. I mean, they're, I mean, beyond terrible. My opinion is everyone. And if you talk about hammer makers who have a, have a real sense of how you're supposed to use a forging hammer, they look at the grain. I know uh, Ben Snore, he looks at the wood. And he, they're looking at the grain. And they're looking how it's going to handle. And they're looking at how it's going to work. Same thing with Uri Hoffi, how he makes his handles. He's, they're all uh, John, Cliff, Pat Quinn. They're very, very specific. On the, they don't just get a two-by-four and throw the goddamn thing on. They're, they're looking for specific wood. Some guys like Ash. Some guys like Hickory. Some guys like whatever. It, these big box store fiberglass guys have never forged a thing in their life. I mean, if, if the selling point is a different handle material, I mean, they make those goddamn peens almost like these, those aren't even blacksmith hammers. Those are, they're like construction hammers. They're like for breaking rocks. They're, you, you give to like prisoners working on the chain gang. I mean, there's some bullshit hammers. <laughs> prisoners sure. hammer. Yeah. I mean, they're like, I mean, I mean, who, in my life, I've never heard of such. I mean, I've seen them, and I always look at them, and I shake my head. I'm just like, I don't, just don't worry about it. Just get yourself a, the best part about hammer makers in, especially in the United States, is they're not charging you $10,000 for a hammer. The prices, every time I see hammer makers and their prices, I always think, you know what? For If you're getting a tool that's well worth it, these are all worth it. I've gotten tools from, hammers from all those guys. I haven't done anything. I got a. I didn't, have, I didn't have a hammer from Pat, but like Chris, oh Chris, Cliff and John and, and Ben, they really make beautiful hammers. And it's just like, the price is right. Stop fooling around with the fiberglass. Don't worry about the fiber. Fiberglass is for like surfboards and boats, you know? <laughs> Speaking of which, have you seen what Chris Zepp is working on now? No. Chris Zepp. I love Chris Zepp. Crazy. That's from the Handmade Podcast. I think they come out bi-weekly. <laughs> There's a shot across the bow, ladies and germs. That's a shot across the bow. So <laughs> Chris is Chris is working on Chris is Chris is it's a great podcast. P.S. Um, yes, it is. But Chris is working on. He's got this. I guess he's got like a wood CNC machine. I think it's called like a Tormac or something like that. The Tormac, yeah, it, yeah. It, but I think it also you can stick a plasma cutter on it as well. well he's so got he's, that he's too. Steel he's got stuff. that too from Lincoln. He, he, 
Oh, that's the torch, mate. That's, that's a different a t- machine. I, I get confused. Dude, He's got so much going Chris on. Chris Zap shop, should but, change uh, the name of his, from his from make everything to have everything. He's outstanding. <laughs> He's outstanding. He's the best. He brought. I mean. He's fantastic. I mean, for a young guy like him, he, it's very, I'm very like, I get enthusiastic watching everything he does. So he's yeah. actually figured out, this is his first time using this Tormek, and he's making slats for, he's going to make a surfboard. And he's getting two by fours, and he's making planks, and then he's, he's having it cut out and in between. They're going to, it's so interesting. And I was talking to him before this podcast. He said, I've never done this before, but I got a friend of mine who wants to make a surfboard, and we're going to make planks. And then, they're using the planks and they're cutting in between and they're talking, he and I are talking, are you going to put like foam inside? Or, it was so interesting, but that, that's the reason why I bring up the fiberglass because I think that, you know, he's going to end up having to do that. But fiberglass is for surfboards and boats. It's not for hammers. There we go. There we go. Let's get quizzical. All right. This is, uh, this is a little thing that we've been doing the last few weeks. Well, yeah, I guess we have been. Uh, last few weeks doing a quiz and we're just uh we're just doing like hot seat questions we're just basically rallying through and seeing how many you can get right so which one do you guys want to go first craig wants to go first (laughs) he's choking down that pork pie (laughs) you got that pork pie i just put it away let me let me just just (laughs) there we go (laughs) right a minute on the clock yeah ready when you are okay t minus one minute do I start right now? All right. Which yeah. U.S. state has Garden State no, in its whoa, nickname? Whoa, 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 whoa. Right, <laughs> What's the matter, Craig? Could, What's the matter, be, Craig? It's 15 That could be the difference between hey, winning listen, and losing. you had a 15 16th of a second to go. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. So this, when she starts talking, that's when I start asking. Yeah. Right? Straight off the okay. bat. Sounds okay. Sounds good. Which minute. U.S. state has Garden State in its nickname? Oh, Boston. I don't know. Boston uh, is even type... a fucking state. <laughs> which, which type of fruit juice did Dole sell first? Orange. Nope. Uh, what is the main ingredient in farfalla? Or falafel, sorry. Falafel. Oh, um, my chickpeas. Lentils. Lentils. What currency is used in South Africa? The Rand. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Port-au-Prince is the capital city of what country? T minus 20 seconds. Portugal. Oh. What major movie actor's first role was in A Nightmare on 10, Elm Street? 9, 8, 7, uh, Robert England. 6, 5, what was Toyota's 4, first popular 3, hybrid car 2, called? 1, 0. Ooh. Don't know. Don't know. Mm. Boston. Fucking great. I'm so glad you answered <laughs> you Boston. Know, you don't know anywhere. You know Port-au-Prince? Come on, man. 80. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, so you got one, Craig. Which one was that? That was the Rand. All right. That so was a fucking Garden... good pull, P.S. That was an excellent pull. Gar... Yeah, that was good. Garden State is New Jersey. Uh, first juice by Dole is pineapple juice. Uh, main ingredient in falafel is chickpea. You had it too. You got the you got oh, the rand. Uh, let's see. Port-au-Prince is the capital city of Haiti, and Johnny Depp's first movie role was in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Credit oh, for then, you the, for Robert England as Credit Krueger. That was a good. That was a good point yeah, too. That's true. Also, sorry. The Toyota question. First hybrid car is the Prius. Ah, of course. Yeah. 
one. That's, that's, that's terrible. I'm going to talk all over this, Jeff. I'm gonna... <laughs> Go ahead. I only need to get two. <laughs> I need to get my pork pie ready. <laughs> all right, Jeff, you ready? All the time. All the time. <clears throat> what did the first vending machine dispense? Cigarettes. Uh, who created the animated series Futurama? Oh, it's uh, fucking Matt Gronig. Green, what is the green, most uh, populous city in Canada? Montreal. Taylor Swift grew up on what type of farm? Pass. Cares. Which Doors song is about Jim Morrison's relationship seconds. with uh, Pamela Corson? <laughs> L.A. Woman. Which president of South Africa ordered Nelson Mandela's release from prison? Which 2008 comedy name. had Which 2008 comedy had the tagline plus Eight, this is your pipe seven, uh, put this six, in your pipe and smoke it. Okay. I have no idea. Islamabad is the capital city of what country? Afghanistan. Incorrect. Okay, yeah. you also got one. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh we suck. I was the thought I had that fucking thing. God okay. damn. All right. Uh, vending machine. First first thing dispensed in a vending machine is holy water. Uh, wow. Wow. Matt That's Groening funny. did create Futurama. Most popular city in Canada is Toronto. Taylor Swift grew up on a Christmas tree farm. Uh, the Doors song was Queen of the Highway. Damn. I, th South I thought African... that was clutch. <clears throat> Which uh, the South African president is uh, de Klerk. Oh, uh, yeah. And put this in your pipe and smoke it was from Pineapple Express. And Islamabad is the capital city of Pakistan. You so... know nothing. <sighs> Likewise, <laughs> Porky. <laughs> you guys want to just you guys want to do one last one to see uh who how, how, it would we, how would we break the tie here the tie to the end yeah. the tie to the loser the biggest loser first one to answer this question okay how's that okay go ahead let's do it okay ready yeah all the time okay where is the uvula located in your fucking mouth the what sorry? i got that one right <laughs> you <did>. you're fucking... <laughs> That's where your pork pie is, Porky. <laughs> ah, your fucking mouth is the answer. I'm the champion now. Uh... Uh, what was it again? Was to what located? Uvula. You've I've never heard. That's of that uvula. fucking punching bag in the back of your throat. <laughs> uh. Jesus. <laughs> no, didn't know. Didn't no, you know. certainly did not. Now I won. I'm so well happy. Well done. I'm a gracious uh, no, loser. No, you're not. I'm so happy. This <laughs> makes me so happy. We both did so bad that the so that your fucking mouth was the de was the, de the deciding answer. Your fucking mouth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most fun I've had in a long time. Uh. Right. Let's move on quickly then. Um, You've got some dilemmas I for us. I certainly yeah. do have some dilemmas. I have some dilemmas. All right, so this is this is basically a little bit more. These are I like these dilemmas. So just get into it. So the first dilemma comes from Thomas Nugent. Hey guys, my dilemma is where should I spend my damn money? On top of making knives for people, I've been getting a lot of requests for woodworking projects. 
I want to get a new grinder and a kiln, but these cost. Uh, but those costs, uh, with those costs, I'll be able, um, I'll be able to set myself up with all the woodworking tools I want. I'm torn whether I should even de- evenly distribute the money on different tools or go full blast on the knife making gear. Thanks for the great podcast. Mm. <sighs> I'd say if you haven't got a grinder, you're gonna need a grinder, and you can use that for wood too. Right. So uh, sure. I don't think a grinder would. I be... don't think that like fine woodworkers use the same tools. I think it's all like table saws and, and like planers. Like, I don't think yeah, they fool maybe. around too much with two by 72 grinders. Yeah. I think there's probably more woodworkers and hobby woodworkers out there. So you could always get that stuff, you know, secondhand, um, you mm. know, from wherever, you know, cheap. There's going to be plentiful supply of them. Um, maybe not so much with the, the knife making stuff. I don't think. I, for... But, you know, it depends what his priorities are, what he wants to be doing with his sure. life. Sure. I, I would try to get whatever tools cross over uh, i would start there mm. like for me a bandsaw like i wish i had a nice bandsaw that i could use for you know you could use it for all kinds of woodworking projects but it's also awesome for splitting down uh chunks of wood either if you're sourcing your own or splitting down handle scales or whatever uh bands or even just cutting out the handle profile doing it on my little port band it's fine but it would be so much easier on a bandsaw for sure i, I it's interesting how different i mean if you look at our friend keith johnson that's uh kj sawdust i feel like i did a little bit of work with the fine cabinetry guy and it was all chop saws and those uh special table saws where they have the bit the blade on the beginning on the in the front to cut underneath so you don't have uh, any kind of cut through. You know what it's called? You know what I'm talking about? It's got mm. a sliding table. The whole thing slides. They're much more, it's much more precise than just a table saw. I feel like the, the, the tools are so different. Yeah, this dude had a, a drill press. He never used it once. It's all like dominoes and all that stuff. Hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think that that's just the fucking, this is a fucking dilemma. Hmm. You know what? Yeah. Does... I think it... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Craig. I was saying, rather than, you know, talk about it from a tool's point of view, he needs to talk about what he wants to be doing with, you know, with his life and where he wants to put his priorities. Um, you know, don't just do it because, you, you know, all of a sudden I'm a knife maker just because I bought myself a grinder. You know, it, it, you know, what you want to be doing and then take the appropriate, you know, chopping choices. I mean, the tools are totally different. Hmm. I mean, you, I use a table saw to rip down wood, but I mean, it's, I could, you know, it's not that important how expensive the table saw. Right. That's a tough one. I think, you yeah. know what? I think I might, I think I might go with woodwork stuff. Mm-hmm. It's less, sure. it's almost, le- it's almost less expensive, especially if you're like a yeah. blacksmith, you gotta, you gotta get, deal with the hydraulic press and the, the and the kiln and the grinder. I think I might go with the woodworking stuff, dude. I see what you're doing. Yeah. You're stopping more and more people making knives. I know you're I'm, waiting. I'm, I'm trying to that. limit the people who slip into my DMs <laughs> to say, I'm stealing that. Ooh. Porky, you got you, Porky. Something else that is super handy between uh, either woodworking or uh, knife making is quality sandpaper, I would say. And we are ha- happen to be sponsored by Endasa USA and Texas Farrier Supply, where you can get your Endasa sandpaper for with 10% off with the knife code or the knife code, the checkout code or promo code Knife Talk 10. Uh, you can save 10% on whatever you get from them. And, you know, it's good sandpaper costs 
and I, I'll tell you, I've I've never regretted any of the money I've ever spent on buying my Indasa sandpaper. Just finishing out this last uh, blade, doing all the hand sanding on this stainless blade, I was very thankful I had my sandpaper instead of something else because it would have been a huge pain in my ass. Um, so again, if you go to Indasa us or sorry if you go to knife <laughs> jesus i can't talk right now <laughs> texas fairy supply right is that the place is yes, that the right texas place, fairy supply, the place. Yeah. texas fire supply.com <laughs> knife talk 10 and save yourself 10 percent. not on not just on the sandpaper but basically anything you get from them yeah can i make oh. yeah they got lots of stuff for knife makers i'd like too, to yeah. make one just off the topic comment in regards to our promo codes number one i get a couple things in my messages one is what are all the promo codes? Listen to the podcast. Guys got to listen and you got to learn. Listen and learn. You can't just keep coming back and saying, what are the promo codes? We say it all the time. And number two, promo codes work for specific things. Don't start using our promo code all over the place. One of our listeners may or may not have used a knife talk 10 at fader knives and there's a discrepancy here <laughs> it doesn't peace and love peace and love i'm with you i'm with you we're all together it's gonna all gonna work out i am gonna make you a beautiful knife don't worry i'm just fooling around knife talk 10 doesn't work there thank you, thank you. Nice. clever <laughs> yeah very clever. clever god bless you but don't do it all right more dilemmas you want another dilemma guys yeah. Go for it, yeah. <clears throat> well, this is a dilemma that was given to us. It wasn't really, I don't know. We'll see. Nathan Jones says, sent, love your podcast. I just want to let you know to be very careful with giveaways that require any action from participants. Apple takes that stuff really seriously, and I don't know if they hold the same standards for podcasts, but if you had an app in the store, they perma-ban you for telling people to leave a five-star review with the chances of winning a prize. And then he just... uh copy and paste it uh if we find oh. that you've attempted to manipulate the reviews the more. i only bring this up because i used to deal with apple as an ios developer and know they can be a real pain in the ass sometimes don't want to see a great podcast and get in hot water i'm sure uh you're just trying to celebrate and reward your community community so yeah well funnily enough i used to do exactly the same with apple as an ios developer and um we haven't got a developer contract with them we're not breaking any sort of contract as a podcast we can as a podcast, we can pretty much do as we like. Um, but to be honest with you, looking at the stats, very few people listen to the uh, podcast via um, via uh, the podcast and app on an Apple computer anyway. Um, most are using Spotify really? now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But but anyway, we're not we're not breaking any rules or anything like that. There's, there's no, no need to worry. I'm going to stop the whole this. five, you know, leave five-star review. It got annoying. I started doing that on the Full Blast <laughs> podcast, and I got my balls broken too much. So I'm not, I ain't. Do your thing. Just listen. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, yeah. uh, whilst we're talking about the admin of the podcast, now we're starting to do sort of ads from you know outside companies as well. Um, if you're getting an ad for whether it's penis extensions or whatever it is, <laughs> it's not our fault. It all depends on what you've been looking Damn. at. So if you're getting McDonald's ads, you may, maybe need to change your diet. That's all <laughs> no, no, those shots across the bow. Other shots across the bow. I got schizophrenic medicine and, and car insurance on the Full Blast podcast. That was – and then, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's strange. Schizophrenic medicine. I don't know why I got that one. Encourage. They know about those, those potholes. Yeah. The house. Oh, yeah. well. They heard about it. Who t- <laughs> listening maybe to they everything. fucking heard about that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe so. <laughs> okay. 
next question, next dilemma comes from um, Sam Goff. I have a dilemma for your beast, for you, <laughs> for your beast, for you beasts. I'm 14 and I love making knives, so I'm saving for a big boy seven, two by 72. But I'll be driving soon and need to get a car. What should I do? Does he get the two by 72 grinder or does he save up for the car? Mm. I'll be honest with you. I'd be going for the car every day. Every day. But he's only 14. Young, you know, he's got I the know. time. How old do you need to be to drive in America? 18, I think. 16 oh, for 16. <laughs> no, I'm not being not 18, but 16 for a learner's permit. We're getting ready to get involved with that. Mm. Right. If okay. I'm 14, I think I'm going to go with the grinder because you got some time to sell yeah. some knives, make some money, and get yourself that, you know, a slick car for when you're in high school. You need to make it happen. Mm. Get times yeah, on your good side. Message. Good point. 14. Good point. I agree. Get that, get that broad back, broad back. Come on, man. That was easy. All right, so that was easy dilemma. Okay, uh, you ready for another dilemma? Go on. Oh, boy. There's another high school one. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. This one comes from Kenzie Aaron. Kenzie Aaron ah. is uh, the uh, pod- podcast host for the Young Makers Podcast. a good dude. Okay, here's a, here's a dilemma. I'm in high school, and I'm busting my butt to graduate early. So I can have time in the shop or to find a mentor or go to post in the secret, uh, secondary school early. But I worry that if I skip my senior year of high school, I might miss something important and uh, some informative experiences. Would you graduate early if you could? And if you did, what would you use that extra year uh, as a gap year? So, she, so he has the opportunity to maybe go early. What would you do? Hmm. Let me say that right. Busting my butt to graduate early, right? So he he oh, might end yeah. up having an extra year. What do you do with that extra gap year before you go to college? I, I'm fucking I getting you guys. These it seems to me. It seems to me. Seems to me like Kenzie has sort of made his minds up. He wants he wants to be a maker, and 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 I've heard him talk in the past about you know his plans for having a like a maker space and and all that kind of stuff. Um. <laughs> I'd say if you're taking that year out as like a gap year, do that, live that life and, 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 you know, pursue it as much as possible. You've always got that option then at the end of that year if you need to go back to school. Great. But, you know, live it and see if it's for you. It might not be for you. But um, if you've got that year to play with, um, that's what I, I do. I am so on the fence about gap years because I know people who have I, who are like have this big plan for gap year. And they fucking just burn it to the ground, and it's just such. It was such a waste of time. I get yeah. real worried, but nowadays, with like you know, these colleges are charging a full blast of tuition, and you're gonna be in your you're gonna be in your bathroom opening up your packages, <laughs> true, taking yeah. your classes on the shitter. It's like that. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that ain't right either. And if you do that, you're going to need a good box opener knife as well. Let me tell you, available at chopknives.com yeah. from next Tuesday. I think you should name it the pork pie. The pork pie splitter. Yeah, <laughs> I get really worried about that. You know what? You know what? I was very envious of. I was just talking to uh, Brett McAfee on the Full Blast podcast. You like these like little segments? And um, he got so much extra work done in high school that he got he got, he was able to take more classes that he wouldn't have normally taken in college. So like he got rid of so many requirements, he was able to kind of like take more classes. I feel like that is the move. If you can. I'm, we're trying to, our kid is on, on the point, so she's going to be able to start doing, by senior year, 
be able to do college credits in senior year. I was like so freeing because now you can take classes that you actually might be interested in as opposed to filling requirements. I would totally do that. Hmm, I would totally do that. I didn't get to take any painting classes. I just didn't have the time. Stump the two of you. Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's uh, different for me because the way you're talking, you, you're talking about senior years and gap years and being able to, you know, do things early. You, you can't do that over here. It's it's very regimented. You know, you, you, you're you in school till you're 16. If you want to stay on another two years, you can stay on another two years. It's as simple as that. You can't you know, move forward years and that kind of stuff here. So it's, it's slightly different. So I don't quite understand, but... Um, but I'd say, if, I say, if you've got the time to have a year off to experience something new, make that experience what you want to be doing. Give it a go for a year because you've always got that fallback of being able to go back and you know pick up the shortfall and the skills that you're missing out on. Sure. Well, and, and thinking about what Jeff was saying, like people just they they some people are taking these gap years and doing nothing with them. I think. It, it sound. I mean, it sounds to me like he's a pretty ambitious kid. You know, maybe try mm. to put together kind of a, a not necessarily a business plan, but just a plan so that yeah. you aren't just wasting that time. Otherwise, you might as well be going to school if you're not going to really ha- be doing anything, stri- uh, you know, meaningful at that time. Um, because yeah, I knew. Just, a, you, I don't know. Just sitting, knew, at, sitting around at home. I yeah. knew a kid. I'm sorry. I knew a kid. Very good. Who. I knew a kid who <laughs> who loved guacamole so much that he wanted to steal it. Did he wait? Did he want? Did he loved it so much? Fuck you. Um, he he loved guacamole so much he wanted to use his gap year to start a guacamole company where they would deliver fresh guacamole. It was the biggest disaster. I said to him I'm like, "Don't you know that shit? You gotta how do you make fresh guacamole and it not turn brown? Oh, don't worry about it. I'm gonna deliver it so quickly." It won't have time to turn brown. Like, have you thought this through? He goes, yeah, I really love guacamole. I'm like, this is a huge, this is a huge mistake. It lasted five minutes. Can you imagine? I'm going to have a, gua- I'm gonna have a guacamole uh, delivery company. Guac to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how are you going to, he's like, I love it so much. I know that other people do too. I bring it for them for, for their lunch. You know, order it for lunch. Imagine mashing oh, up on the, ele- you're on the elevator trying to mash up the guacamole on the elevator. So, <laughs> so it doesn't turn brown. God. I imagine his parents just like, yeah, yeah, you just go for it. You just like, go for right. it. And we'll be waiting like, back here for you to come back in two weeks. Right. Yeah. Guacamole company. Yeah. Go ahead. Ugh. I got one last dilemma if you want it. Um, okay, go for it. Yeah. Uh, let me, I've been skipping around a little bit. Uh, sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. This is, comes from Tim Landini. I got, um, I have the funds for either a heat treating oven, even heat, of course, or hydraulic press forge, but not both. Which do I get? I tend to stick with 1084 for mono steel if I'm doing Damascus. Uh, and if it's Damascus, I'm doing 1084 and 15 and 20. What do I get? What do I do? Does he get a, a heat? Does he get an even heat or does he get a forging press? What's the first one? Hmm. I suppose. You fucking, I'm getting stumping all of you motherfuckers with these goddamn dilemmas. I would suggest a forging personally, especially because the heat treat on 15 and 20, 1084 combo is not, I mean, obviously you can mess it up, but it's harder to mess up than other heat treats. And so that's something you could potentially send out or just do right out of your forge. 
uh, with practice. Um, but if he was doing stainless, you say you got to go the heat treating oven first. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a great answer, Marek. I didn't even think about that. You could send that shit out, Tim. Dilemma solved. I think I think he's Mm. I think you're 100 percent right. He's only doing mono steel, and he's doing uh, Damascus. Bang out that bang out that forge and press. There you go, Tim. That was a fucking great yeah. answer, Marekko. Logical. You're welcome. Yeah, that was logical. What was that? Wait a second. Go, go back in there. Go back in there. What was that? It's ass Jeeves. And freakishly, freakishly, as as this we've been recording this show, um, Tim Landini just bought a knife off me as well. God bless so you, great. Tim Landini. The pork pie Thank is on its much, way. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just do we still got a bunch of questions here. Let's just do one question each and then we can call it a day. Mm-hmm. I'll start off with one from from Brian House who um is host of the Housework uh, podcast on the on the Makery network at makery.network. Um really great podcast um every week um him his wife um and his main man as he calls him Trent um have uh, the, this great show so go listen but anyway his question is hey there KT crew uh, a question to be answered on the podcast if you like i just recently started working with AEBL um and i was cutting a blank out of my plasma table ooh <laughs> flexing there i think i needed a way to hold the steel in place and i stuck a magnet onto the water table slats and the steel itself and what I noticed was the magnet stuck to the AEBL. Also, which is surprising, which is because it's a stainless steel, he says. I always thought stainless wouldn't stick to a magnet, but I guess AEBL has enough iron in it to make that work. Or, he's saying, did he get the wrong steel from the supplier? So AEBL, um, should it be you know, should it be magnetic? I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. And he just wanted to tell us that he has a plasma table and all these things, you know. Yes. ABL is definitely magnetic. Um and okay. it's it's because of the iron for sure. Um there are, you know, there are lots of different stainless and just because one happens to be not magnetic doesn't mean all are. Um a lot some of the stain the non-magnetic stainless that you see or people experience the most is usually uh used as surfaces for appliances or something like that. And it's because it's uh, part of what makes it stainless is because it's has such a high nickel content. Um, and there's little to no, uh, there's gotta be some sort of iron in it, but you know, not enough. And so, but yeah, just because one stainless isn't magnetic doesn't mean they all aren't. So, uh, you probably got the, you got the right stuff. Not you just, there's so many different types of stainless. I remember <laughs> it's just it, so many different. And in, 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 even in, when we were doing fabrication jobs, there were I said that came up to my boss that said the same thing. And like, why is the magnet sticking to this? And he's just like, there's just so much shitty stuff. It's it was all over the place, all over the place. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, either of you guys have a question on the list. I'm just sure. I'm just scanning the questions here, and I just see Fader's dick. Is written in one of the questions. I'm like, well, we once you read out. that, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm looking at it right here, dude. I'm looking I, at Captain the Fader's Dick. They all know that it's, that doesn't say fucking. <laughs> will you now read it? It doesn't say Fader's Dick. Thank you very much. Go ahead and read it then. Funnily enough, it's a very short question. I'm just, <laughs> Son just of a bitch. Don't That's worry it. about my mediocrity. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Cap, this is perfectly from mediocre Beard penis. Three. Don't worry. 
<laughs> hey guys, quick question. I'm working on my very first knife. I'm doing stock removal. Any tips or tricks? Thanks y'all for the great show. I've learned a lot. P.S. Fader's dick are the best. No, no, no. That's not what he said. You got to read it right. And he's had a lot God! of <laughs> Come on, man. Captain Gingerbeard. We're going further I didn't, down I didn't, the drain hole every week. That's not what he here. said. Uh, not what he said. Read it right. You're making me feel not bad. what he said. <laughs> he says Fader's, Fader's dick jokes are the best. Thank there you. you. Listen, these motherfuckers all know that I'm doing all the show notes. So now they're buttering the bread. So I'm the bread, I guess. That's a gross too. <laughs> Uh, so stock removal, um, any tips or tricks? I mean, that could be a show in itself, surely. Sure. Um, but yeah, top top tip then. What have you got for uh, stock removal? Um, I'd say keep your old belts for when you're profiling. Um, mm. Just whack up that speed. Sure. Use your old belts to, for, for shaping and profiling. Um, there's no need to you know stick new stuff on. That that's probably the biggest tip I could. My say. tip would be break every stage down into very simple transitions. Don't get too cute. Just try to go a nice shape, nice grind, nice fit up, nice handle. And I really try to see everything like as simple as possible, and that makes it less overwhelming. Hmm. Simple I transitions would... and no fool around. I would say. Push sticks and sharp drill bits. Fucking good. That's mm. a fucking good shit. Good, nice. I've been yeah. using the uh, push stick on the on the on the platens. Very, 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 very good success with them. Really, really yeah. working hard. With them. Mm. Very good. Cool. Okay. Have you got a last one, Jeff? <sighs> yes, I do. This one comes from. Ba 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 ba. Well, this comes from, I'm just trying to get it. Okay. Uh, this comes from Madeline Knives. Uh, how, this might not be a question, but it's fine. Howdy, dudes. Not a question, but a thanks. Thanks to Mareko for going in depth with his, uh, with his heat treatment in the Dr. Thomas episode, Larry Thomas. Uh, I've been getting the best results. And I also had three uh, knives post heat treatment that I picked up gnarly warps and grinding. Thanks to Jeff's trick. Um, thanks to Jeff's trick about grinding the opposite sides to correct the warp. Now I don't have to start over. Thanks, y'all. That wasn't really a question. No thanks for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I, I skipped that oh, yeah. one because it, you, it didn't have Craig in it. Do you remember? <laughs> uh, you didn't see the P.S. Thanks to Craig Lockwood for being such a swell guy. If it wasn't for him, none of this would be happening. Thanks to Craig Lockwood for all of this. It was that was almost like the Steve Swartzer moment when he said. <laughs> well, then let me then but let me read you. Morocco, who makes these great beautiful knives, and Jeff, he makes great okay, knives. Okay, let's go back. We'll go back. <laughs> no, come on, man. Um, all right, here's let's just go back. Here's another. one. I'll just do another one more. Come on, man. This one comes from Nick Edwards. G'day, guys. I've got a question. I have a two by seventy two grinder. What should I be looking at? maintenance wise and what are the parts that are going to wear out first in your experience thanks for keeping the good times rolling nick what maintenance uh-huh. do i do so little maintenance and i probably should do more um the only thing that i do regularly is um put some uh, like lubricant on the on the on the work yeah. table because quite often that'll rust if you don't use it for you know two days or whatever hmm. um 
so that's the only thing that I do, and I probably should be doing more, but uh, I don't. What do you think, Bracco? What kind of maintenance on your grinder do you do? Um, actually, something I learned from my motor repair guy, uh, what was that, about a year ago, is that a lot of motors have a place um, to either oil or grease the bearings in that motor, especially hmm. if it's a nicer motor. And so, and he, he said that's probably the number one thing that nobody does um is take care of that and so if it's not easily accessible from the outside you probably take that little uh shroud off where the fan end is um that's usually where the bearings are down in that area too and um figure out a way to grease or oil the bearings now may not all motors need it but if yours does please do do that huh. on a regular basis because you're gonna burn out your motor Sooner I am going to fucking do that when we're done with this. I actually yeah. had to repl replace the motor for that reason. God damn it. Yeah, my hydraulic press. Uh, that would be the fucking worst to have to replace. It's a giant 10-horse um, motor. And it, and it has a couple zerks on it for greasing from time to time. So I make sure to hit that probably, you know, uh, probably every time I use it, which isn't, especially when I'm making Damascus, isn't super frequent. You know, just hit it with a couple pumps of grease and good to go. Every time, you know, every time I'm starting up a new batch. I don't do it every day or whatever, but every time I start a new batch of steel. There are definitely grease fittings. You know, I have had uh, grinders in the past, not from Broadbeck, but other companies that have grease fittings that are impossible to get to. Mm. Um, but uh, I also had to replace the ball bearings in the uh, slack belt uh, rollers. You know, on the on your on sure. your platinum mm -hmm. arm, yeah, I've yeah. I've blown out a pile of those, um, and I ended up having to figure out which size it was, and I ordered a, like a whole sleeve so I can replace the ball bearings on all those rollers because that, that those definitely go. Yeah, nice. good call on the good call on the on the motoring. I'm gonna take that mother these two motherfuckers mm -hmm. off and then slap some grease up in that pig piece. <laughs> in that pig, grease that piggy. Grease your ten holes. <laughs> yeah, is. That's that's a show. We're crazy. That's the show. Morocco. This time next week, what do you want to have oh, achieved? Oh boy! All right. So uh, that knife, sure as hell, I want to get that done. Uh, but also, like I said, it's been there's been some heavy rain in the area, um, which has been great for the fires. But it's also been great for kicking off kind of like mushrooms growing in the forests and stuff so uh, i'm hoping you know after we give it a few days uh the chanterelles will start popping off huh. um around the woods around here so i'm gonna try to do some mushroom hunting um probably maybe saturday next week or something like that friday saturday have you done that and, before um, oh yeah you lots get, and lots I'd be, it sounds so much fun but i would be so nervous I'm gonna end up with like toes up with a end up with a pile of mushrooms. <laughs> no, I mean I think the big key you don't want to necessarily if you've never done it you don't want to go out in the woods by yourself, uh, and even if you have a field guide, a lot of mushrooms that are edible also have um, kind of like um, versions that are not edible or other mushrooms yeah. that look like them but are definitely not edible. Um, so yeah. the, I think a big key is until you get comfortable going with somebody who is very knowledgeable, uh, at least in our area, we have, um, 
like mushroom hunting hunting groups um and facebook groups and stuff like that that get together and go out and help teach people how to properly identify yeah yeah camouflage and uh so <laughs> anyways i'm excited for uh the mushroom season to start popping off and start making some pizzas with some chanterelles and caramelized wow. onions and Yum, yum, yum. Nice. I remember, uh, Craig, you were saying that in, in your area, you can actually bring mushrooms that you find to a pharmacist and they'll identify them. In the pharmacy, yeah. I think all oh, over nice. France, they're all trained. So sure. you can just take a bag into the pharmacist and they'll tell you what's good to eat and wow. what's not. Yeah. yeah. They take it very, very seriously here. I believe it. Really seriously. A uh, funny thing happened to me while I was doing a live stream. I was uh, watching my old boss and friend, uh, Charlie, Chef Charlie Palmer, is doing a live stream, and he's been doing a lot of <laughs> he's been doing a lot of uh, live streams with other chefs, and they've been cooking together alongside his uh, chef uh, Scotty, who's an old friend of mine. So they'll they'll they get winemakers in, and they're both cooking on the Instagram live. So I was watching and stuff like that, and his son uh, does the camera work. So I when I watched that, and then I got off, and I was doing a little live stream and then his son came on to mine and I just started berating him. Just started I'm, I'm trying to be funny <laughs> and I started berating him and he says, I don't know why you don't get me on all the, and I might've, I don't think I called Charlie's guest stiffs, but I think I was being, <laughs> I think I was just being jocular. And then he yeah. said something and then I said something. And then next thing you know, his mother, Charlie's wife came on and I'm talking to two of them and I'm joking around. And then next thing you know, Charlie's on. So Charlie, his wife and his kids are all sitting on the couch, all of them on their phones. This guy's a famous chef. They're all on their phones watching Instagram live and watching me, you know, you yell at all of them and, you know, just kind of be jocular. <laughs> they like that shit. Next thing you know, as the live stream's going, I'm getting texts from his director of marketing, his director of social media, and I'm going to be on a live feed with him on the 15th of October. He's like, all right, Fader, Big Valve, you're odd. So I'm going to be cooking <laughs> alongside on my feed and Charlie's going to be cooking it with Scotty on his feed. And then they want to know what I'm going to do. <sighs> so I was talking to them. They're like, well, you know, maybe you should make a pie. I said, how much time we have 30 minutes. I, I'm not making a pie in 30 minutes. And I said, I'm not going to do it in my house. So I'm actually going to cook in the shop and I am going to blow their doors off with something that so Tony and I have been having like meetings and we're going to come down here. We're going to fool around. I'm going to do something that they have never, ever seen before guaranteeing it. So on October 15th, I'll be doing something deranged but it'll be fun so you're gonna tell no us? no i'm not telling anybody i don't no, no, i'm not telling anybody uh, we have to work out the details but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be funny i'm planning on making them laugh so hard that they are not going to be able to continue i'm i have so are you going to use your even heats maybe Oh, <laughs> maybe maybe this might maybe you actually that was a very good fucking i might i'm i may be I'm not saying anything more, but it, yes. Nice. Yes, the answer is yes. Cool. Oh. Yeah, nice. so I'm super pumped. I'm nervous, honestly, because, like, Tyler Florence is going up and all these real guys, and then I'm going to be like, I got to do some fucking hanging gorilla from the ceiling, you know, bullshit to, to kind of counter. <laughs> but they all know me, so they, they want to, like, have a good time. You know, he gets the winemakers yeah. on and all these food writers and stuff like that, and he knows me, so he knows that it's going to be, like, there's going to be a little yeah. nonsense. So I'm hoping for... And they're all they're all on to pimp their stuff anyway. Yeah, I mean so it's really not it's really not too. I mean this is more like the cool thing is is he's really done a lot with lockdown to try to like 
give people really good content, like teaching things. He's been doing like very, very like every Thursday, um, he does a live stream and they're cooking something good. And is you know, Scotty's an awesome chef and you people are learning a lot on it. And it's actually like consistent. He's not like doing it two weeks and then fucking off. He's, he's actually doing a real nice job. So I'm super pumped. And he's a fucking dude. He's a good, but I, it was funny because I lit him, his mother, I lit, I lit his kid up. And I said, at one point, his kid said something. And I'm like, his mom's told me to watch my mouth. And I said, I'm in my own shop. I said, you know, I, you think your millennial son didn't learn, he didn't learn those language from me. Trust me. I know your family. And I was just blasting her and <laughs> telling him to cut the cord with his mom. We watch the internet with your mom anymore. And it was, it was the whole, I just like gave it to him hard and I guess it worked. So we'll see. Uh, that's funny. Cool. I I think that's a show. I think that's a show. Um, we've got a book review happening next week. So the three of us have received a book, which we're gonna we're gonna try and read this week, and we'll mention it next week. Um, anything else you want to mention, guys? Anything else? Have a nice week, everybody. Just yeah. mm. go forward, go forward, go forward. Yeah, and and if you're looking for something to watch on TV, Ratchet on uh, Ooh, Netflix. What's that? It's a it's a spin-off of so Nurse Ratchet who was in uh, oh, One, yeah. Flew Over, yeah. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's a spin-off show and it's set back in the fifties. Oh, interesting! Of how her char- character developed and it's dark. Sure. It's super dark. It's, I watched them all in within two nights. The babies were awake, so I was just like, oh, "It's good." Them downstairs, and watch this thing. It's amazing. It's very, very good. Cool. It's that um, Sarah Paulson, and whenever she's in anything, she's she's quite scary looking anyway, and she's she's like very straight faced. It's it's very, very what are you watching, Marekko? You got anything you're watching? Uh, let's see. I finished. So my wife and I have been watching all the Marvel stuff on Netflix. We found like the list of how to watch, you know, like the proper order to watch Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica uh, Jones yeah. and, and the Punisher and all that stuff and Iron Fist. And so we just finished watching all that stuff. And last night we we've been watching Lucifer, uh, which is just kind of like this kind of trash melodrama stuff that started on Fox mm-hmm. and went to Netflix. We just finished that season last night. Uh, so I'm not sure what we're going to be watching next. Probably won't be watching the ratchet once my wife doesn't do the scary stuff too well, but it'd give me something to, it's, to it's watch. Not, I wouldn't say it's scary, but it's, it's dark. Sure. And the first few episodes, especially there, there's some stuff that happens just like, Oh, you can't quite watch, but sure. it's, it's very good. I like uh, the boys on, on Amazon. You guys see the boys? It's like Mm-mm. it's a Garth no. Ennis is a comic book writer, awesome comic book writer, and it's basically like, what if the superheroes were like just assholes? Sure. It's, and it's with <laughs> Seth Rogen. It's fantastic, and that's on season oh, nice. two. Yeah. Uh, and then um, that's it. That's all I've been watching lately. Oh, I have to check that out. Yeah, we've and also been have... watching uh, Shit's Creek, which is yeah. pretty funny. But uh, I've I've seen it advertised, but I've I've never actually yeah. watched it. But um, yeah, it looks good. It does look yeah. very good. There you go. Can't ask for anything more. Can't ask for anything more, right? What else can we give you, for God's sake? (laughs) Oh, I do. It's been a bump. Oh, sorry. Bumper packed episode. I just want to remind everybody about the Axe Wax thing. Uh, Last days to buy some and help contribute is uh, the end of the month of September and October 1st. Uh, Anybody who's purchased Axe Wax in the month of September is going to be automatically entered into a drawing for. a vintage axe head, some wedges, and an extra tin of axe wax, and then also go check out the uh, the GoFundMe for uh, Sam um, of Mad Science Forge, uh, whose shop burned down recently. 
And I was very glib before, and I apologize. It was a little, unne- I got a little bit unnecessary. Obviously, Sam, it's, it's, uh, whatever's happening, I'm very, very sorry for what you're uh, going through. And however I can help you, it's my pleasure. Cool. What, what are you guys pushing at the moment? What, what, what are you, um, what have you got going on? Anything that you want people to, uh, get into or? Oh. Christmas is coming. Yeah. Are those oyster knives that they should be flying out those doors? Yeah, we're actually getting, my wife and I are gearing up to start doing the calendars again. Um, I'm, mm. I'm working on finalizing who I want to try to get, uh, into the calendar. I'm trying to do some stuff with some, uh, there are a lot of really beautiful pieces that have been collaboration pieces between a couple different makers. Um, so I'm trying, I'm, this week is going to be reaching out to those people and asking them if they want to be part of it and all that good stuff. So, um, and then, and then it's going to be reaching out to all the events. God knows, you know, what the hell, what anybody has scheduled or planned and how that is even going to work this coming year. But even if there's no event dates on the calendar, we're still going to be putting out a calendar. Um, yeah. So cool. What about you, Jeff? What are you? Sort of well, I mean, I, I believe it or not, I'm finally going to have, I've been making, having sweatshirts being made, uh, hoodies. I mm. got hoodies that I'm going to be, that I just wore, I've put a small order into. It's going to be, unfortunately, it's going to be uh, U.S. shipping only just because it's just too hard for us to kind of deal with it otherwise. But uh, yeah. I got some sweatshirts going to be coming in for the pool and watch caps and stuff. I just figured, well, let's just do it. Nice. My, my guys over at the Rescue Stuff maybe a nice, uh, hoodie uh, non-zip up and uh, we'll have those in the next week or two pull over i see yeah, nice pull. nice um i've got my camp knives coming out this week so if you want to get on that list head on over to chopknives.com and there'll be a little pop-up come up there and you can join the mailing list right. and your pork pie um, pokers and 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 oh yeah sorry my pork but i think i'm gonna make these a permanent thing so i think this week i think i'll pop them up on the website and they'll just always be available to buy i think because they're, they're pretty good in my hand now they're pretty cool right that's the show thank you all very much for listening we shall speak to you again next monday stay safe bye for now if you like this show take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.